Hey, what's up, listeners? Welcome back to Predator vs. Movies. I'm Alex. I'm Peter. I'm Aiden. This is a podcast where we discuss and review the latest movie releases. We're going to start off with a non-spoiler review before diving into a deeper discussion of the movie, and then we're going to ask the most important question, would this movie be better if the alien from Predator was in it? This week, we're going to be reviewing Tar, finally. Tar. Dude, Dude, what's up with the spooky voices, man? Oh, I forgot. It's it's a Halloween episode. This is a Halloween (laughs) episode. We're not doing a horror movie. (laughs) It's releasing, uh, this will be releasing on Halloween. So yeah, this is our super spooky episode. Uh, first, we're going to start off with some super spooky news. Uh, let's start off in the Marvel corner. Big week for Marvel. Bigger than usual. Uh, we got the Ant-Man Quantumania trailer. Well, oh, that was this Monday. week. Wow, yeah. Oh, that yeah. was this week. Like it's it was been a long week. week. It's been a long week. What did you guys think about that? I hey, think, bro. Like, bro, I think it kind of looks like shit. Like, no. <laughs> it kind of looks like the plot looks interesting but i think it just looks bad like visually it just looks bad you think so i i like it like i saw a tweet like a while ago that was like i think visual effects have regressed and i was like that's stupid that's a stupid thing to say and then like, <laughs> seeing this trailer i was like oh man i swear movies looked better than this like five years ago <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know. and like there is also that detail that i liked where i saw you guys the screenshot comparing it to spy kids 3d yeah, and how their costumes look the same. That's that's fire though. I like that. I think you yeah. posted that screenshot. <laughs> I do. I do see that the visual effects aren't great. It's very like you know CGI background kind of open plane, non not not really like interesting composition yeah. wise. Especially that's with Black I mean. Panther coming out soon, like the comparison is too easy. You're like, oh, this. Yeah. Is- is lacking in cinematic skill. Well, I like I'm honestly fine with the trailer like not having like completely finished CG, but I mean like the artistic concepts don't look good. Yeah. Like yeah. I I get it. But I mean, I think what Peter was saying is like the story looks hype as fuck. Like I'm so excited to see Ant-Man who's been like a side character and a family-friendly character which I know a lot of people don't like, but I have been fine with and have enjoyed but i'm excited to see him be like so central to the overarching plot of the the saga and just like get his ass kicked i think i'm, I'm excited to see like what that looks like and i mean jonathan majors as kang looks fantastic he's got the scars the lines on his face and i'm just i'm so excited for that Honestly, um, like the trailer gave me massive Aquaman vibes. It's like, it's, it's the not a joy. good thing. I don't know why Dude, you keep I like that. Aquaman. I think Aquaman is a great movie. Really? I, I think, I think it's, it's the joy of uh, exploring a new world the trailer gives me. You know? Sure, but I, I would say similarly, Aquaman looks like, like toilet water. It looks so no. bad. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think Aquaman was a good movie, to be honest. But. Um, I don't know. I and I, I like the the goodbye yellow brick road. I thought that was nice. It's a good music touch. Anyways, um, I have heard more on Ant Man though. I have heard that William Jackson Harper, who is in the Good Place, oh, yeah. as um, is it Cheedy? I don't know, but he's also in Midsummer. You're right. He is. Um, let me just check. He's the guy writing his like PhD thesis or whatever. Yeah. No, I, I do remember. 
yeah, he is Chidi. Chidi in The Good Place. Anyway, so he is going to be an Ant-Man, and he was uh, a, a fairly popular fan cast for Mr. Fantastic. And so some people were like, oh, is he, is he Mr. Fantastic? Turns out he's probably the rebel leader in, like, the quantum realm. Uh, oh, yeah. So un- unfortunate for people who were fan casting him. I, I said that, I mean, there's still a chance, right? Yeah. But probably not. And I mean, some of the, like, the people who get these kind of leaks and who know things have been saying, yeah, he's not, he's not Mr. Fantastic. So, oh, yeah. oh well, I mean, there's some, there's still. He some... could have been good at that, though. Yeah, but I, whatever. He, he would have been good. There's some good choices out there still. And I mean, Sarah, Sarah Finn hasn't really missed. She's the casting director, yeah. I think, for the MCU, so. Yeah, that's one thing you can't knock Marvel for, is that their casting is actually pretty top tier. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, uh, we also got another trailer uh, for the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special, uh, and that's coming out this month. I think it looks interesting. I mean, I like like the Kevin Bacon thing. It sounds like a fun thing. I don't know. It's whatever. I don't don't know if I'm going to be super hyped for it, but... Yeah, I'm not going to be, like, waking up on Christmas morning like, Mom, Dad, can we watch the Guardians of the Galaxy? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I'll, I'll probably watch it. it. I mean, it feels like an extended trailer to Ga- Guardians 3, like the special presentation will be. Like a taste of what's to come in Guardians 3. Yeah. But, even, like, lighthearted, you know? I, but, like, gives me, like, okay. Star Wars oh, no, I think, special vibes. Sure. I think the special presentation format will work better this time, though. Because at least we know Absolutely. the characters, you know, yeah. heading in. I don't know. I just, I, for me, it's like, okay, whatever. I mean, I like, I like the Guardians of the Galaxy as a team and as characters a lot. So, you know, getting more time to see them just like hang exist out. and hang yeah. out, kind of the more casual stuff instead of yeah. you know the always world-ending dealing with trauma thing. I think it's nice to like, yeah. Let them catch a break for once. So I am like, happy in that sense. Seeing the mundane is still is interesting, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else happened this week? We got the first reactions for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Uh, it seems that it's been largely positive. I know with Marvel movies and with big releases, there's a tendency for the first couple of reviews to be very positive from like... Too positive. <laughs> yeah, the people who are going to be positive anyways. So I was kind of like skeptical and I was holding out to see like you know if I wait a little longer what are people gonna say and it seems optimistically like that it the reactions are still quite positive yeah I have heard the couple of things that people have been saying were it's a little long it's and maybe like one person said it's a little rough around the edges and another person said there's some clunky moments which kind of sounds like they're referring to the same thing that's what Um, I was gonna say I saw a bunch of reviews that seemed like said essentially the same thing that it was generally good but a bit clunky yeah and i know another person said that the whole idea of the the future like afro future black nation versus the undersea uh is it like i think they're mexican nation mexican they're not mexican they're like mayan culture like like it's a race war kind of thing it's hard to it's hard to watch and hard to talk about, so I'm interested to see like how that goes. But I don't know. I think it'll. I think it should be good. Um, I don't know. What do you guys? What do you guys feel? 
Yeah, I'm honestly just waiting to see it before I make up my mind. I do think it's fair to be critical of Marvel potentially portraying a race war. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a race we'll, war. We'll see, That's it. What it is. we'll see it. We'll see it. Um, I don't know. I'm. I think I'm still hyped. That comes out. Is that is that next week? I think it is. I think it's oh, next fuck. week. So it's coming. It's coming around the bend. It's close. Um, there's been some other news uh, for some stuff in development for Marvel. I'll try to blast through this. Uh, so producer Nate Moore, who did the Black Panther movies and the Eternals, confirms that we haven't seen the last of the Eternals. You haven't seen the last of me. That's you know that's what the Eternals say always, as you know. Yeah. Um, how do you guys? What, we knew that already, did we? Did they say like Eternals will their, return at the end of their fate? Their... I feel like has been a little up in the air just based on how the movie went and how people responded to it so i mean i i kind of want to see where that goes and like i mean give chloe zhao another chance and maybe don't make it the same way you did that resulted in that kind of like messiness but like i like the visual style so i I, so did i i think my problems with the movie were the script mostly yeah yeah, so I mean, if you just like clean that up a little bit, and now you're past, you don't have to introduce so much right. for a second go around, right? Like you can just kind of lead off from where where it ended. So I don't know. I, I I hope it gets a sequel. I hope it's you know that they're like you know whatever happened in the first one, we can move forward and do something new. So uh, there's been a new series announced to be in development called Vision Quest. Uh, so it's going to follow Vision trying to regain his memories in humanity. Uh, he's in his like white kind of generic form right now, uh, post WandaVision. And so Jack Schaefer of WandaVision is going to oversee that project. Um, there's been rumors that Wanda could theoretically appear, but I mean, they haven't even started writing this. So, uh, I, you know, they'll, they'll figure out what it is. Um, I am not sure about this. I think it's, I think it has potential, just like the story, what it is. It gives me like after Yang and Blade Runner vibes. Well, just I like, mean, there's know, Android. There's way too much unknown about this at this point. Like they literally gave us a name and like a plot synopsis. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I'm not watching this one. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> no shot. They haven't formed a writer's room. So like it's, it's the very baby stages of development. But <clears throat> I just mean like the idea of an android trying to figure out like who they are in the world. That's an interesting story. And in other more adept hands than Marvel, <laughs> like that could be really cool. So I hope that, you know, maybe there's a, a multiverse where it's given the budget and kind of Time. free reign yeah. of like Andor, yeah. right? Yeah. Like what if it, what if it was the next Andor, you know, yeah, do I think I that will if- happen? Probably not. <laughs> I don't care but, about you know. Vision, though. Like, I don't know. You like, didn't care about Andor, though. That's, yeah, but I, I think the concept of, like, I cared about, like, the Rebellion. You know what I mean? I, thought, I always thought that was cool. But there's nothing about Vision that, like... I agree. That's I fair. Know. I don't care. He's got some cool, like, philosophical confrontations in the MCU, and so I hope we get more of that and less Sky. Yeah, honestly, that would be amazing. Yeah. Like, and, I just... and also, if they stop revolving like external keep pushing external conflicts onto him that yeah. would be really cool as well because like, then if, if he gets wrapped up in like oh yeah this is actually 
property of sword you know like we have to get it back and then a bunch of people hunting him while he's trying to figure out who he is so, like do you think we can do this without no. a big laser fight like that'll be cool yeah like like you can do it with action i i think to to assume that there would be no action is naive but like like in the way that blade runner has action right it's not right. flying around but i mean that's the visions thing i don't know I'm holding out hope. Dude, I can't believe Vision is still sticking around in the MCU. He's still not dead, bro. (laughs) The guy's crazy. It's kind of wild, yeah. Um, (laughs) Anyways, we got some other things. Uh, Elegance Bratton might be directing Blade. He's done a couple features, maybe one or two. I I personally haven't seen anything of his, but that's that's the news. Uh, And the last thing for Marvel is that Doctor Doom will reportedly not... Be the villain of the MCU's first Fantastic Four movie. Good, okay. if you ask yeah. me. We've seen it already two times in live action. It's just one of those things like we've seen it, move on, do something different. It's like those, like the Batman movies, right? Let's yeah. do anything other than Joker for once. And so I did a quick, Joker, maybe, yeah. yeah, I did a quick dive into <laughs> into some other Fantastic Four villains. There's Mole Man, which has often <laughs> been fan casted as Danny DeVito, which could be funny. Um, <laughs> Molecule Man. A lot of these are are men. Molecule Man, um, <laughs> who I think plays a big role in Secret Wars, so that could be like a good choice. Um, the Super Skrull, um, Annihilus, which I've I've always wanted the MCU to like work their way up to Annihilus. I think that could be so cool. He's he does this like space, like he's like I'm trying to think, kind of like Darth Vader, but like a bug. And he's, like, going to take over the whole universe kind of thing. So he's cool. Uh, there's the Beyonder, the Mad Thinker, Puppet Master. There's also this guy named Red Ghost who has a bunch of super apes. Maybe don't do Red Ghost. But, um... Super apes? Ooh. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Uh, anyways, they're all they're demons. Of... They're not like gorillas. They're all just little No, no, no. no. They're, they're not. There's, there's <laughs> variety in the super apes. But I don't know. I think there's lots of options. So they don't have to do the same thing. Uh, let's move on to Warner Brothers and them stepping on rakes. Uh, first off, they might have done something actually kind of smart this week. Oh, yeah. So kudos to Warner Brothers. Uh, they hired James Gunn and Peter Safran to be co-directors of the DC Universe. They are the answer to the Kevin Feige. Yep. Uh, I think this is one of the better outcomes that could possibly come out of this. Having yep. a creative who we know likes comic books yeah. is what we were hoping for. And that's what Kevin Feige was, right? Um, like, just the way uh, James Gunn talked about the Suicide Squad, it was clear that he knows quite a bit and he wanted to pull those deep dives and he wasn't afraid of, like, having a vision. Polka Dot Man and, and Yeah, and Polka Dot Man, yeah. like, the weird stuff. So I think this is great. And I think also James Gunn, as a creative, will be more, like, empathetic for the creative process and will be likely to allow creatives to have that unique vision, even if it doesn't mesh. Like, like there's the MCU house style, right? And there's the right. DCEU house style that has been ignored. But if you look at like anything Zack Snyder did for the DCEU plus Black Adam, those are all yeah. very similar movies. Aquaman and Wonder Woman are close, not exactly the same, but very close. And so right. I think 
if you let you know filmmakers do stuff like the suicide squad or like the batman that's how you get the better stuff um so yeah i'm i think that's i think it's a good choice there but we won't um, really see that coming to fruition for another it'll at take least a bit. two three years you know yeah because it takes he's time good. for projects to develop. i mean he's also been signed on for only four years so far so i imagine like we'll start feeling that effect sooner rather than later um and also, apparently, Kevin Feige was asked. And he that, I find that so funny. Like, you really funny. think he's going to leave as the MCU? Like, come on. No, like, first of all, no, of course he wouldn't. But also, it's just so funny. Like, we can't find another you. Will you do it? <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, after, after that, there has been some other uh, rake-stepping incidents. So uh, Black Adam, since last week, has dropped... 59% of the box office. Dude, um, it's changing the power hierarchy of the box office. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's not good, and I'm glad that people are realizing that and not seeing it. I, it's The worst thing you can do is like support um, movies that are just lazy and generic because then yeah. studios think it's okay to make them. And so yeah. I think it's great that it's not doing so hot. Um, yeah. It sends a message that, you know, studios actually will receive. It's about the um, message. It's about the message. That's damn right. Uh, there's also uh, news about the Glean, uh, the Glean, the Glean Granturn series. <laughs> I can't speak today. The Green Lantern series that's been in development for, what, like five years? Very long time. For yeah. a long time. And apparently it's getting a full rework. So any work that's been done on it is like gone could be a tax write-off thing is one theory I heard, but it was just going to be too expensive. It was going to be like the biggest DC project, DC TV series. Um, And so they were like, make it cheaper. Not surprising. And so it was going to be like a multi um, time period type series that follows several different Green Lanterns. So it would have had uh, Alan Scott, the OG like 40s, 50s, I want to say like golden age yeah. green lantern there would have been guy gardner i think simon baz and jessica cruz were some other ones so some of them more like the ones that wouldn't get focused on so not your hal jordans um right not your kyle rayners uh you have to be like you have to know these are a lot of random names that mean nothing to a lot of people i've heard but, of hal jordan yeah. and kyle rayner yeah same yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah those are the big ones right and so yeah. they're going for the smaller ones they were uh, and so that's been scrapped, and now it's just going to focus on John Stewart, who's the uh, the Black Green Lantern. So I mean, it's still better than if we got a Hal Jordan thing because we've already seen that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's being reworked for a smaller budget, and that makes me sad. Whatever. Classic Warner Bros. Discovery. Uh, yeah. Speaking of DC news, following uh, Henry Cavill's return as Superman um, in the media, at least. Uh, he has left the He's Witcher. Out of the Witcher, yeah. Which is probably the most crazy thing we've heard all week. Uh, and he's being replaced by Liam Hemsworth. Pretty thought, big downgrade, if you ask me. I thought okay, Henry Cavill was like a super fan. Like I'm, I'm kind of confused by this. Okay, I haven't so, seen the show, but I thought he like loved it. Okay, Peter, so, I know what you're gonna say, but keep it brief. <laughs> yeah, I will. So basically, I think the show's been doing some really messy stuff. Basically, the book stories they're great and if they keep it as it is they would have been fine but the writers choose to take really crazy uh creative freedoms and then taking the show into 
really wild directions that fans don't like. Okay. So that might be a reason. And also, uh, the other reason might be scheduling conflict, as we have said, because of Superman, Superman and everything. And then there's also rumor that he might be casted in the future House of Dragons season or something, but that's rumor mm. territory. So Probably not. Well, I mean, who knows, maybe. Yeah. I've also heard that the Witcher writers like hate the Witcher and the books and the video games, which is so weird. Why would you join a project if you don't like yeah. the source material? And so, yeah, there's been lots of fighting between them and Henry Cavill, who's a huge fan of that stuff. But honestly, like in terms of star power, like Liam Hemsworth was a big downgrade. Unfortunately, uh, yeah. when I look at the Instagram post Henry posted, like so many people saying like we watched the show because of you, <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and honestly, like at this point, the show might might as well. Like unless season three is like amazing, season four pr- probably a big flop. I'm a little surprised that Netflix didn't just cancel it. That's like their go to move. And yeah. if you lose your biggest star, I don't know why they wouldn't just fold. That's, it also that's already the most had two seasons, right? It already had two seasons, so that's the longest well, Netflix show is able to run. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, like the story is uh, oh, oh, working yeah, on well, the third. It's, it's pushing or, it. It's, oh, yeah, no, that's exactly <laughs> Wait, what I mean. Daredevil, Daredevil got three. Yeah, Daredevil got three. Yeah, yeah. No, but like more than three, three is yeah. insane. Yeah, I think River. No, Riverdale's just Stranger Things. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, Stranger um, Things got a lot. Yeah. It. I almost feel like it's out of spite. Like I'm gonna leave, but we're not gonna. That's not gonna stop us. You know, kind of. Thing. <laughs> um. Whatever. I didn't. I didn't watch The Witcher. I don't. I don't give a shit. But Peter. No, Peter didn't even like it either. I don't know. We're not a lot of Witcher fans here, or at least for the show. Uh, yeah, the news. Awful. Last bit of news <laughs> is that uh, both Babylon and Avatar. It's been got delayed. Uh, no. Okay. Let good. me finish. Thank oh you. Oh my god. Don't try to guess the news. <laughs> no, this is your new segment. Guess the news. <laughs> I'll give you a prompt, and you have to guess. The news. Babylon and Avatar. Also, like this is news you've probably heard, so it's surprising that you got it wrong. Uh, both of them. It's been announced that they're over three hours long. Oh, Fuck yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that's good for Babylon. And probably gonna be a pain in my ass for Avatar. <laughs> Dude, I'm first not... Avatar, despite its runtime, doesn't feel like that much stuff happens. Like it's crazy. you know what I mean? Like yeah. it doesn't feel like a lot is going on in that movie. And it's insanely long. I hated yeah. I hated that movie so much. And this this one will <laughs> Stop be longer. the cat. That one's, Stop the that cat. one's not okay. even three hours. It's I think it's I insane. think I think the first one was great. And I just saw it recently too, so we all saw it recently, and oh, you guys saw it too. Right. Two yeah. out of third, two two thirds of us don't like it, or we wow. have very cool I'm in between. Like, fuck, I think fuck it's fine. film students, eh? <laughs> That's not even, but it's it's not even the popular film guy take that it's bad. Film guys generally like this movie, or like think it's great. Yeah. I think There's, it's quite good. Like honestly. Uh, it's Dude, the story's kind of dumb. I mean, I was invested, dumb. so. Anyways, we have a we have a movie we're gonna review, and we're gonna get into it. We watched Tar this weekend. And this is like literally a month in the making. We've been hoping to see it since the first week of October, and it's finally here. So we are going to guess the Metacritic score. Uh, there's a little website on the internet where critics' scores of a mu- of a movie are tabulated uh, and averaged out. Uh, so just critics, not general users of the internet. 
if it's rated over 60, it gets a green score. If it's rated over 80, it's a special must see. If it's in the 50s or so, it gets yellow. And if it's in the 40s and below, it's red. So we are going to try and guess where Tar lands. Um, who I always go last. So I will go first this time to try and switch things up. I think Tar is going to be... I could see this being in the 90s. I'm going to guess 93. Oh, sorry. I have to get. I have to choose who's next. You're both like <laughs> nodding. Uh, Aiden, Aiden can go next. Yeah, I also agree. I'm going uh, 91. Okay, 93, 91. Peter, what do you think? I think this, this movie is like made for critics. Like if it's audience yeah. score, it's much lower. I agree. I think, you know what? <laughs> you pick ninety three. Aiden pick ninety one. Ninety two. <laughs> you guys are you guys are silly. You're being silly right now. Okay, let's find out though. Uh, internet, internet. Oh, is that it? Did I find it? You know, no, come back. <laughs> we have a winner. <laughs> I'm fighting with Who's the internet. Who's the winner? Give me a second. Who's the winner? Yo, that should be our news tag. Well, I'm just looking. We have to just okay, like be like, who's the winner? Who's the winner? Yeah, I found it. And there is a winner. Someone did get it on the dot. It was, as always, it was Aiden. He got it. It's Let's exactly. Go. Let's go. See, <laughs> I think that's not shocking at all. I think that's a perfect, yeah. accurate score for this movie. What's the I score? Think it's that good. 91. 91 wow okay okay yeah uh so now we're gonna get into our non-spoiler reaction so if you haven't seen the movie that's a-okay spoiler time no no not spoiler time (laughs) non-spoiler reaction can i can i pull you aside for a second can i no 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 no. i don't i don't think we need to do that i don't think we need to do that and you're fired. Oh, um, fuck. And so seeing as you're the winner, you get to decide who goes first for their non-spoiler reaction. Let me guess. Are you going and first? And as always, I'm going first. Classic yeah. Aiden. What did you think of this movie? No spoilers. Okay. Uh, while I was sitting in the theater for this movie, I was like, wow, there's a lot of stuff going on in this movie. And as it has percolated in my mind, I've just been more and more impressed by how layered, how thoughtful, and how like specific while also touching on a broad variety of topics this is. I love the way it's directed. Kate Planchett puts in a great performance, like inc- incredible stuff. Um, I love the visual style. I think that, like I, I like the sound design a lot. Like I really like I would struggle. This is the kind of movie that I honestly would struggle to criticize because any criticism I can think of, I feel like there's a good reason behind it that I just need to watch again in order Mm -hmm. to like try to piece together. Um, Like, yeah. So I, my honestly, my score, I'm going four and a half stars. uh, And I would recommend this highly to, like film people people that really really like film and i i hate to 
I don't like giving like the distinction like oh, but the layman will is stupid and will think it's trash. <laughs> yeah, because like I think that's kind of dumb. That's a dumb attitude. Um, but like if you don't want a movie that like you're gonna have to constantly think about both while you're watching it and after, and that you're probably gonna have to revisit, I would say this isn't for you. You're probably not gonna get much from this. Um, Fair enough. So yeah, I have a que- I have a question for you. Where does the half star come off? So what what separates this from a five star movie? Sure. Yeah, I think to me, and I might change my mind as I go. Like, and I was talking mm-hmm. about how I think this is a movie where I don't have many answers at this point. I just have a lot of questions, and I have a lot of like miscellaneous thoughts. And I think the half star comes off. I don't know. Like, there's just something like when I see a five star movie that just hits on every you level. Do, yeah. for me, I just know yeah. it. Whereas like, and then four and a half is usually reserved for a movie that like, I don't really have criticisms for, and I think is great. And I just respect and, and probably could get behind almost every decision on it. Um, but there's just something stopping me from really loving it the way yeah, I would a five-star movie. I think, no, I get what you mean. I think a five-star movie, uh, and I'm going to quote one of my teachers I've had in the past, uh, a five-star movie is like porn. It's hard to define... Uh, but you know it when you see it. Uh, so <laughs> that is something I've actually heard. Uh, yeah, anyways, that was in Parks so, and Rec. Was it? Except it wasn't about five-star movies, but the pit about porn being hard to define. And, yeah. Oh, maybe it is. Okay, yeah. maybe that is from Parks and Rec. But no, I've definitely also heard it from a teacher. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> Parks and Rec is a teacher. <laughs> Parks and Rec is probably Parks so much. Parker Rick could be my teacher. I love that show so much. Um, Anyways, let's hear from Peter. What did you think of this movie? Okay, so this might be a little divisive. Um, I would give it a three and a half out of five. Whoa! In in my opinion, Act 1, I was just not into Act 1 at all. I think it dragged on way too long. um, We'll get into it. I, I think this is a tough watch it's going to be a tough watch for many people and if you don't have the stamina to sort of sit through the the way the director chose to do character work on this character and then eventually wait for act two and three the payoffs then you're not going to have a good time i've seen like i was very surprised because when i was booking the ticket i saw the theater was half packed and then when i went in the theater was almost like fully packed so many people left an hour into the movie. It's kind really? of incredible. Wow. Yeah. Um, That's weird. Yeah. That makes me uh, sad, actually, to be honest with you. So <laughs> I think... Do you think I they watched Black Adam? <laughs> Do you think they watched the <laughs> <first part laughs> of Black Adam? I need something easier for my brain. <laughs> um, like, I think this is, this is not going to be for everyday audience at all. Like, unless you have the, the stamina and this sort of, like, you... It's very hard for you to invest in a movie at first. You have to wait. And I think a lot of people don't like to wait. So I don't um, agree with that. We'll get into it. Sorry, I keep trying. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get yeah. into it. Uh, but honestly, Kate Blanchett is just amazing. She, like, the way that like, you see her, the way she embodies her character. And, like, she is Tar, you know? Like, Tar is a fictional character and she is Tar. And I wait, think that wait, Tar's a fictional character. <gasps> we'll get into that. What? We'll get into that. <laughs> um, and 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 I just think it's incredible. Uh, and like many people, I thought Tar was like a real person, and uh, the way that she's able to act 
and uh, portray her as a real person, I think it's just spectacular. So okay, what would you? Um, oh no, I guess you. Yeah, you went through all yeah. the the things that we go through normally. Uh, very very cool, Kanye. Um, I guess it's my oh, turn. Kanye. Oh. Yep. Yeah. So I watched I watched this with Aiden and the theater was mostly empty. Um yeah. I I really liked Tar. I think from the beginning there's just something about the dialogue in Kate Blanchett and the direction and the editing and just like the whole thing is yeah. like made for the kind of aesthetic that I like. And Dude, the production just, is off the roof. It's, it's so crazy. beautifully shot, yeah. and the sound I was, was so, amazing too. So yeah. I was, I was like, totally drawn in from the get go. There's so many scenes that it's just like nonstop talking, and I didn't care. I was yeah. so intrigued and drawn in by what they were talking about, and so I, I really liked all of that. Um, I, I do have a couple of gripes with the movie. Uh, so it's not, I don't, I think Aiden's right. I do agree. It's not five stars for me. I would probably put it at a 4.5. Um, I think it's a, I can't decide if it was just because we watched it so late. Like it, we started at 10 and it didn't finish <laughs> until 1am approximately. It's a very long movie. Yeah. So it felt very long and I was like, man, am I tired? But not in the same way that like, I've seen some movies recently where I was like, where it was definitely too long for the material like and i was like um like triangle i actually didn't i actually didn't feel for that me, for triangle for me watching for triangle status that was my reaction where i was like this is too long this needs to be i'll get into it later but for me like yeah. lamb and i also watched all quiet sure. on the western front both of those movies i was like okay these are too long and i didn't i didn't feel it in that sense i definitely felt being tired during tar but I don't know. I was I was definitely captivated. I think Kate Blanchett is great. I think the production value and every like everyone did a fantastic job in this movie. It's a couple things I'm not sure about, and I was definitely misled, and we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, I think this movie's great. So I think kind of like going along with the consensus, if you are into movies and more challenging things, definitely recommend this. Highly recommend. I, it depends on like what your definition of a layman is. Cause I have a, I have a friend, Oh, friend of the show. And like sometimes guest host Sasha would be, I think it's fair to consider him a layman. And I think he would, I think he would love this. I think Peter, no, Peter's more of a, I don't know, Peter, would you consider yourself a layman? You're not in film studies. So. Well, I, I just think this movie is challenging in the regard of like, it's really packed and very dry, so it's very hard for everyone to get into initially. But Peter's, you have Peter's to... on the fence as a layman, yeah. sort of layman. <laughs> he lives in both worlds. Anyways, yeah. that's, that's just all I meant. So Peter's a good kind of like benchmark for how a general audience member felt about this movie. But Peter definitely does have film knowledge. All credit to Peter. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think this movie is great. So I would, you know, I'd recommend people go check this one out. Anyway, so we're going to do a little brief synopsis of the movie. I lost so close this Dude, time. Dude, that's such a tough job, started, though. Man. Oh, my God. 
So I'm gonna try and Give summarize this movie. This so okay, spoiler yeah, time, actually spoiler time. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> Real this time, spoiler oh, time. This time. So uh, there's this movie called Tar, and there's this lady called Tar. Uh, her name is Lydia. She is a world-renowned composer and conductor. No, just conductor. She's got like the EGOT thing. Um, she's not a real person, but in the movie, she's a real person. Um, anyways, it starts off with like an interview and she's doing an interview and man, how do I even describe this movie? Yeah. How do you describe the she's, plot of the movie? <laughs> um, she's got an assistant, Francesca, and they may have had relations in the past. Probably. They seem to have like a strained relationship. Turns out Lydia has a wife and an adopted daughter the wife's oh shoot i wish i had had people's names sharon sharon her name sharon. is sharon. sharon thank you the wife's name is sharon and Petra the, daughter the daughter is petra i do remember that and so the gist of the movie and we're introduced to this at a good spot is that she's going to conduct Mahler's. like she's been doing all of Mahler's symphonies and she's got one left to do like to record and so it's the fifth one and so she, that's that's her project for the movie that's what she's working on and over the course of the movie it's revealed that there was a student so she does some like mentorship maybe as a teacher hard to i, I couldn't no, really she, pick up exactly she, what she was she has like a scholarship thing yeah and so she works with like young women specifically to like get them into composing as like a um like a diversity mm -hmm. kind of thing like let's get more women com uh i keep seeing composers conductors uh and so she had a, a former uh student named Krista who has she's had like issues with it's unclear at the start but it turns out that she probably had relations like sexual relations with Krista as well as a number of other women it turns out and I guess Krista kind of like called it off at some point and so then Lydia decided to blacklist her and so she wouldn't recommend her for various positions and like made it impossible for her to get a job and so then krista uh committed suicide and well and then also krista kept trying to email them well, that's okay like, sure there's some the like emails and then she commits suicide there's yeah. important word of events there and um then there's like legal actions are taken against tar um krista's parents are like trying to sue her and it causes complications with the job she's doing, recording the symphony. Um, there's also some drama within the symphony itself. So there's a person she doesn't like who she fires and there's they need to fill a new chair. And in the process of finding someone for that spot, I think it's a cellist, um, she you know, finds this young woman attractive and she sees her in the bathroom before the auditions. Dude, she's so creaky, man. The, the way the, she bends down, <laughs> look at the yeah, shoes. Yeah, yeah, it's creepy. The auditions are blind, but she's able to figure out who the woman she saw in the bathroom was by her shoes. Um, she can hear like the heels clicking. And so as, when she realizes who it is, she changes the scorecard and gives her a higher rating so that she gets in. Uh, she tries to uh, choose a companion piece for the Mahler Symphony that would highlight this person whose name is Olga. She's... Uh, a Russian cellist. Uh, what else happens in this movie? They go um, to the book sale. 
Olga. Yep, and, she's uh, writing a book uh, called Tar on Tar, which is a hilarious <laughs> conceit. Um, the the assistant Francesca quits eventually, and uh, ultimately, what happens is Tar's world crumbles as the allegations against her grow, and legal actions become more um, affecting her life. And I don't you know, even she, think that's the awry. reason her her life crumbles, though. There are a well, lot it's of it's a big part of it, and her it's you know, a big her wife part gets, for sure. Her, her wife gets mad at the infidelity and whatnot. No, because uh, what am I missing? Uh, well, that's the very end. Where, where she winds um, up? Oh yeah, she ended up in Asia, directing. Yeah, so some, okay, like yes. weird anime fest. Type hold of on, thing. hold on. So, so at the very end, um, <laughs> she's you know she's lost her Mahler symphony as a result of her actions. Oh, um, she pushes the so uh, she, Mark Strong. Oh Mark yeah, Strong. I have no idea who is Mark Strong. Oh, I in that he, movie, you mean? Yeah, Elliot. Uh, he, his name is Elliot, but yeah, is he supposed a, to be the one overseeing the charity? Or because like it seems like he's paying for a lot of like things that Tar has. It does seem know? yeah. It seems that he's paying yeah. for some of that stuff, and he's another conductor, and he he definitely like looks up to Tar. As someone who's yeah. better than him, yeah, kept trying to but ask it, her to look at her, look at her work, yeah. But they, he seems to have some sort of like sway over her position, and maybe I think with a, is it called a accordion? There's some like thing in the U.S. Maybe that's yeah. the scholarship. Anyways, um, so she pushes Mark Strong, who's her replacement, uh, and you know causes a commotion. She has to flee, um, and so she. As a, no, as, an, think... as a first attempt, give me a second. Okay, as a okay. first attempt to, you know, reignite her career, she finds herself uh, in in a Asian country. I don't know which one or if it's said, and she's conducting like um, a an orchestra there, and it seems to definitely be like um, like lower, not. Like a less good orchestra than what she's used to. She's used to like the best of the best. And no, it's a completely different setting, man. Like and one thing is classical oh music, and then the other one is basically like okay, I don't know, movie themes. But yes, and so then yes, the end gag is revealed that she's the thing she's working on there is um, for like a video game. I think is what I heard. Yeah, it was talking That's about what like the Wikipedia fifth, article fifth says Battle Fleet or something. Yeah, monster hunters or something. Anyways, is that a good enough synopsis? Do you think? I think so. If you if you well, logline it, if you logline it, all that matters is there's a, a lesbian conductor who turns out is um, has been you know preying on young women and her sure. world falls apart as a result of these allegations. Well, yeah. there's there's also two two things. Uh, one oh is God. her visiting Francesca's home, I think. Um, that's or sure. that's not like a major plot point. Oh, is it? Oh, no, is it it's Francesca's not. Home? And then, and then her uh, failing at sort of like pushing the Olga girl into a relationship in uh, in the book. Okay, yeah, I guess that's yeah. yeah. So she tries to groom Olga, but Olga, I don't know if she knows what's going on, but she doesn't like fall into that trap for sure. Seems she, you know, gets the number of a cute boy in in America, and yeah, so that doesn't end up happening. So. And, you know, Tar is not happy about that. Anyway, so I think that's a good enough discussion of the synopsis. But now we're going to get into a discussion of the film. So first off, I want to talk about <clears throat> expectations. Uh, so 
there's a couple of trailers floating around, and I sent one to the group chat. Did you have a chance to like glance at it? Perhaps. I've, I've seen. Yeah, it I, I saw I saw two versions of the trailer. Um, yeah. Okay. So this is what this is what I want to talk about. So okay. the trailer that I saw is probably better described as a teaser, and it's if if you looked at the one that I sent, and it's the one that was playing in theaters, it's very misleading. And I want to say sixty percent of that teaser is footage that is not in the movie oh yeah and that too yeah (laughs) like if you rewatch it having seen the movie you're like when when did that happen what's this what do you what is all this about and there seems to be more focus on the line drawings and the maze drawings and there's like a lot of kind of montage like soviet montage techniques used in that trailer like cutting between like still photographs and things that don't necessarily relate to the movie but give a tone feeling it's a very powerful and interesting teaser and it starts with like Kate Blanchett blowing smoke out of her mouth but that has nothing to do with the movie and the yeah. movie never gets to that like Soviet montage level like artsy it it conveys like a descendant of madness that's what I felt and I never I didn't see that in the movie not right, that that's, that's not a bad really thing, but yeah. but I walked in with like definitely false expectations, and yeah, I didn't. I also yeah. didn't know that most of what happened was going to happen. I didn't know what I was about. So, what did you guys think? It definitely was gonna happen? from the trailer looked like it was going to be like a more cerebral, like almost thriller. Like it was like going to be like kind of not thriller. That's not the right word, but like very creepy and like was right. There was it is a thriller. Right. Yeah, but like, and like this very like paranoid feeling, and there are bits of that. Like there are moments yeah. where like she's jogging and she hears someone screaming, um, in the mm-hmm. forest and and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I was definitely a little misled, but I got over that very quickly. I like oh, it was pretty much yeah. it was literally in the first scene. I was like, okay, that's not what the movie is. It's this. It's yeah. l- like as soon as I saw the first scene, I was like, okay, that's what it's gonna be. I'm cool with this. Let's go. Okay, the trailer didn't really mislead me per se, because um, I didn't. I was very confused and lost after seeing the trailer. I was like, "This might be like Whiplash, but it's probably like not like Whiplash type of thing." Because like you know, they're both like music pursuit of greatness. Type it's a fair of thing. comparison, yeah. Um, but like my biggest, like the the thing that misled me the most was probably I thought we're supposed to root for Tar. And, like, going in with that expectation is just completely false. And, like, I was like, okay, so she's doing this interview. She's a little stressed. How is she going to overcome that stress and, like, do this piece of work, you know? But then it just turned into, like, a Shakespearean tragedy type of thing, which, like, I was not expecting. And, um, like, that switch. If you make that switch a little earlier, I think you will enjoy some of the sequences a lot more. Because then you'll, you'll be like, how is she getting out of this? She's not getting out of this. <laughs> <laughs> how is she getting I, out of this I, one? She isn't. <laughs> That's great. I do agree great. with you, but I, I actually think one of the things I really loved about this movie was how expertly, like, right away, you don't necessarily, like, really like Tar, like, a lot. You don't think she's, like, a, a super nice person or whatever, like, right off the bat. But you definitely, like you see where she's coming from. She feels like a very realized character that maybe has For some sure. flaws, but yeah. is generally like very successful, very like, and generally like good, I would say. 
And then, like, showing, like, little cracks and then the descent mm. and how they come through. I, that's one of my favorite parts of the movie is, like, how, like, you're supposed to, like, gradually turn on her more and more, I think. I but, agree. But, but you also still, uh, like, she feels like a real person the entire time. So it's hard to just disavow everything. You know what I mean? I think, no, because, yeah. like, I felt like what's strange is, like, if I don't, if I flipped that switch sooner, I would have like stopped defining her in my mind when she does some really questionable things. I think I first that switch too late. Sure. Um, but, my, I, okay, you go. I think, I think that you are supposed to go into the movie assuming that the main character isn't a bad person. True. And true. I yeah, agree yeah. with Aiden that that's what the movie is. The whole thing is here's a character very slowly and like expertly i'm going to reveal to you that maybe this person isn't who you think they are and they're not great and that's reflective of real life right and how these sorts of things happen you at first you think here's a regular person you know maybe even a good person or a regular person right and over time these hints and questionable behaviors kind of pile up right so i think it's good that you went in i mean at what point you stop defending someone like that that's i mean i think every audience member it might take a certain amount of time to realize what's going on and to be like oh maybe i didn't pick up on that but like yeah this probably did happen right so i think that's just part of the journey so I and I, I have a couple things to say about this. So I have told you guys this already. I, I'm, I know I was, here we go. We were, I forgot about we, were we, we were going to try to make it um like uh like pretend that you guys had heard the story before. No. But I was in the gym in the middle of a set, and the guy beside me just randomly started talking about tar and instantly <laughs> got into spoilers like right away. <laughs> what did so you I say? Dro- I dropped the weights and covered my ears. And I literally left the I left the area. Like I just put the dumbbells away and left the area. Dude, that must be a scene, man. That must and be I, quite funny. And I thought I thought to myself, like, okay, like he didn't say anything like that crazy, but after watching the movie, no, he entirely spoiled it. Like what did you I, say? I, I knew that say? she was I knew she was going to be a predator. Like he said that. Versus I knew I knew that she was going to wind up playing for like a convention. Like I knew that that's what that's where she ended up. Um, and then like, like there, I mean, obviously there's specific plot points I didn't know, but I knew it was like her about like her being like canceled. Like I, I, I knew so much of it. And so that was my perspective going into it. Um, but I think that's still like, the other thing I wanted to say is one of the things I think the movie is trying to get you to question, cause it is about like quote unquote cancel culture. One of the things yeah. it's trying to get you to question is at what point do you stop defending this person? Like, that's definitely one of the things it's, it's probing for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, didn't drop the waist that, quick enough, man. Okay. That story <laughs> is so funny to me. Just the idea of <laughs> the fact that not only is a film person like you in the gym, and to be fair, I also go to the gym. I work out as well. But, you know, the fact that... You know, there just happened to be two like super film bro guys. Not that we're film bros, you know, people they who were in film. 
Well, clearly they've seen Tar before you, so oh, I know. they're I more see. into film than you are. No, no. Like, the way the guy was talking about it, he was like, yeah, I, like, saw this movie, and, like, this conductor, like, uh, I don't know, she's, like, a predator, and, like, she wants to, like, play for a convention. Like, he talked about it, like, he wasn't talking about it like a film guy. And That's so, so like, weird. Because did you go up to him after your workout early? and no. fight him? You should, and you the other guy, him? the other guy had no idea what he was talking about. The other guy hadn't oh, seen Tar, and the guy was like, "Oh yeah," <laughs> and that was like it. <laughs> That's so fun. That's such a good scene in my mind. I can perfectly envision it. I'd be like, oh man, I haven't seen it yet. Dude, like, their new short. Maybe, maybe he was in like another city where it was playing early. That's what I was. He was saying, like, right? "Oh, I'll go check out this movie." Yeah. How do you know he's not a film critic? Okay, <laughs> maybe it's hey, so just the way he was talking about it. He didn't seem that way. Yeah. Anyways, um, some other expectations. There's been a bit of a, a small buzz on the internet about whether or not Lydia Tarr is a real person. <laughs> so just like a, I want a quick poll, no like discussion about it. Did you think yes or no that Lydia Tarr was a real person going into this movie? Or like I totally right, did. Not, not going in, like, at any point, did you think Lydia Tarr was real? Yeah, I Only because you told me she was real, but other than that, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my bad. I, when I think, Peter, you can maybe attest to this or disagree, but I think it's the synopsis. It's written in a very misleading way, and I'll try and find it, actually, so I can read it out loud here. Um, so this, here we go. This is the synopsis that is on Letterboxd and I think was on Wikipedia, might still be. So it says, the film set in the international world of classical music centers on Lydia Tarr, widely considered one of the greatest living composer slash conductors and first ever female chief conductor of a major German orchestra. Now, when you that talk about <laughs> person's achievements and use their first and last name, it sounds like it's a real person. There's no discussion of what the plot is. Again, probably good for spoiler reasons, but that's so funny. Like, of course you're going to think that that's referring to a, like, it sounds like it's a biopic. Yeah. And yeah. So there was like an article, someone wrote an article being like, wait, Lydia Tarr isn't real? What? <laughs> Anyways, that's just, that's so funny to me. Um, let's talk about the film technique slash like the directing. I think we right. we have a lot to say about this. Yes, it was good. I liked it a lot. It was like like really 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 specific choices, and I I always love whenever like you can tell the directing was so well intentioned, and every single thing had a meaning behind it. There was a reason for it. It does such a good job of setting up patterns and then breaking them. And then it feels visceral when it does break them. Like, for example, like it's generally a very static movie and it's like a lot of shot reverse shot um, with variation within that. But like, it's a very static movie. There's a lot of different shots um, that are just kind of still, but then there are certain moments like when there's a moment where uh, she confronts her daughter's bully and it's like suddenly this like freehand tracking shot like going up and you you can just like feel it like I, I like gripped my seat and was like oh my god like she I think I think you and I like both like literally laughed because we were just like oh fuck like she is about to yeah. like kill yeah. this kid like, <laughs> yeah. and like it's just so good like 
because so many like more incompetent movies will just like abuse things like freehand and it was like i just want it to be raw and intense and it's like the whole movie's like that and so it loses meaning um but this movie is like everything is so specific it uses a variety of techniques um very effectively i love like all the shots of the orchestra when you can see the violins like in unison yeah. violently going up and down oh my god dude there's I'll, I'll end my spiel after this there's one specific shot where um this is when sharon is like getting a little suspicious of lydia and it's just a wide shot that it just hangs on for a long time where she's in the kitchen right, right. and she's in the very center of the frame while lydia like kind of walks around and talks about it and all we just focus on sharon's reaction to it because it's it's like it's such a simple idea, but it's so good because it's like that scene is about her and it's about her reaction to what's happening. Mm. And so it expertly like directs our attention while also giving us enough information. It That's my main thing. It directs our attention so well. Yeah. I mean, composition, lighting, um, what else? There's just the, the visuals are insane. They're so good. The editing is very well done which is not something that I always pick up on in movies. It's hard to be like, oh yeah, this is really well edited. But this one, I think it's just that so much of the beginning is just so patient with, you know, very long held shots. You know, there's that conversation she has with the um, interview guy, maybe New York Times, I don't know. And, you know, easily it could have been, you know, shot, reverse shot, New Yorker. Thank you. And, you know, like when... Lydia's talking, screens on her, when the other guy talking, cut to him. But it doesn't. It lingers, right? And I love that lingering uh, yeah. feeling you get. Uh, what else can I say? The color of the movie. Oh, just yeah. like, I was, I, I couldn't define it, but I was like, this is, that's the feel I love. It's dark and yeah. a little desaturated, but also not. You like, still it might feel the be, colors, yeah. Yeah, but and like it's it's very cool it, in tone, but no like stupid blue filter. The it art constantly design. feels like it's like high morning, like all like the sun yeah, just came yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, and the art design, the set design is fantastic. I think just like as a whole, the production design is very um, not uniform, but like they have a a very good sense of what they're trying to do. Um, yeah, the closest. I I don't think I've seen any. His name is Todd Field. This is the director. I don't think I've seen any of his other movies. But um, and I'll sorry. I'll just figure out what he has done. Uh, undo this. This is his first oh, movie in sixteen years. Yes, that's really. First feature. Is it sixteen? Yeah. The last one was in two thousand six. So yeah, that sounds like right. Children or 16? something. It's called okay. Little Children and. Yeah. I think he also I think this is a feature it's called in the bedroom is another one he did but yeah he's he's been not making films for quite some time and yeah so anyways the closest um director that I think kind of like captures a similar style but also definitely has a different um there's differences anyways closest I would say is Denis Villeneuve I think yes they also have such a like a, a care for what they're doing and the way they choose to compose shots and is almost like, like like the most yes pacing i think the most you know mundane wide shots close-ups inserts 
are done with the same level of care as you know a close-up of a of a person right um yeah. i just the one that sticks in my mind is the the extreme wide of the um the orchestra from above when all the doors are opening yes that like or those those shots in it yeah. just gives you like it's unsettling which is so weird because like i i think they get they managed to get like that feeling of being unsettled despite there being nothing obviously unsettling in the frame and so i think villeneuve and uh todd field do that similarly and anyways i, I was also thinking this point. he also reminded me of fincher a little bit um and yeah, i think specifically yeah like just a, just in, in terms of a little a little bit of it but yeah in terms of i have one more point about this and then i'll, I'll shut mm-hmm. up but um there's oh, like yeah. the the amount of uh like darkness that was constantly in the frame like i i often like criticize movies when i just feel like they're just so dark and it's like okay i can't see what's going on like what are you doing but like mm-hmm. this it was again it was so perfectly intentioned it felt like because there's a scene where Lydia walks into her house and she turns off all the lights and she like makes a joke to Sharon about like, oh, are you like uh, cutting a deal with the electrician or whatever? Like, are you are you profiting off of this? Like, and like, it's like this implication that it's like it's her world. Like she like it's this atmosphere that follows her. And I just I love that because like we see throughout the movie um like the way people treat her like in the beginning we see that she's always being served like there's little details like when she's talking to mark strong at the restaurant and we are we specifically see multiple waiters come by and like do things for her and like we see the way people talk to her they're very obsequious to her and we see the way that like students look up to her and react to her and like she's treated like this god and she has this presence everywhere she goes and the visual style like really augmented that yeah, um, it occurred to me that this this style also vaguely reminds me of Tinker Tailor's Soldier Spy, like the tone and the visuals of that movie. And that made me realize that I think the general vibe of this movie is very like Northern European. So like Sweden, Norway, that kind of film style, which is also very dark, um, kind of slower paced, definitely like thrillers so i think that's the vibe that i get from this and yeah anyways it's so good so let's let's talk about the movie uh the first shot of the movie is perplexing to me and we yes. ne- i never felt like i got an answer for what the hell that is what so is I'll it explain, yeah i'll explain what what we see so it's yeah. tar is sleeping on mm. a private jet assume i assume and someone is filming her and this is what's in the uh, the foreground Someone's filming her on like a live stream, but it's not a live stream because it's a text message channel. So, so it's someone's texting someone while live streaming Tar. Yeah. And it's a private live stream for the person they're texting. The most bizarre thing I've ever seen. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Okay, Peter, so basically we have two moments of that. One is yeah, during the private jet sequence. And then the other one was during the, uh, the book signing. Uh, no, there's one more. There's one there's more. One it's more? in the okay. it's in the apartment or like uh, hotel room in New York. It's also somewhere in Act One. Yeah. Okay. Happens three so, times for sure. So basically, it's the assistant, whoever the assistant person was. Uh, I thought it first, was. Yeah. In the first instance, yeah. I know for a fact she's texting her parents. 
in the second and third, I'm not sure who is she texting to. I think it's just to a friend in the third one. Because um, I remember specifically saying, like, oh, yeah, this is so fucking boring or something like that. Like, like, like she was not into, like, what Tara was reading at all mm. uh, when, when she was doing the book signing. Why yeah. would she live stream yes. to her parents? Why would she know, live stream thought... Tara for her parents? Like, that's weird. Like, I felt like the live icon is a little misleading. I thought it's just the fact that the director wants to show text messages while the scene is going on at the same time as well. And that's sort of, like, the best way he... He like he I, wants to do. I just when you say the assistant, you you think it's Francesca? In the yeah. first, then the first one, yes, and then because the it can't one, be her, all of them. No, in the third okay. one, okay. Yeah. Oh, you think? Yeah. No, no, well, no, it it I know Francesca that for, is literally not in the scene. No, I know that for a there. fact. The third one is Olga, and the first one is Francesca. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's I don't know people, when, but the they're second... using the same platform. Yeah. Also, when the second scene happens, but it's also like the first scene like doesn't chronologically take place then right because we see yeah. her on the private jet later in the same outfit really like okay. like I, an, like an hour later i don't know about the timeline exactly but I, maybe it's a coincidence but we see her on a private jet that looks exactly the same later and she's wearing the sunglasses and the dark attire and she looks tired and it looks like she's sitting in the same seat but it doesn't look like anyone else is on the plane other than a flight attendant so maybe... Okay, I, I have know. an idea. I have an idea. I think, and this, this only just occurred to me, I think that is in Tar's imagination. I think this has to do with her self-obsession and the idea that she she feels like other people are out to get her, which we see yeah. over the film. Like, she always is looking for, like, conspiracies. She's like, and I will get into this, like, she's doing anagrams with people's real names and so right. i think i'm just starting to think that this is all in her head the live stream thing and this is what she thinks that like she's people being think watched. of her yeah she feels like she's being watched she feels like yeah. people are talking about her behind her back right and that's why it makes sense for olga and her assistant to be using the same platform because they're not in real life. It's this imaginary platform that doesn't exist. And it's it only happens when Tar realizes that Olga has turned on her, right? That's it's uh, it doesn't happen until that scene has happened, right? She's like, Oh, no, Olga no, doesn't yeah, quite. No. Yes, yes. The, the, she sees she sees the, Olga talking to the guy. Yeah, it's, but like and, 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 and she's not paying attention. Olga is not giving Tara the same attention she right. used to be at that sure. point. Sure. But, like, I, th I think at least for the first scene, which is the more memorable one for me personally, at least for the text messages, like, I specifically remember, it's like, oh, is she, it's in the AM, how's she doing, and blah, blah, blah. And, like, eventually, like, how's she feeling? And the reply was haunted. And I thought that was, like, at first, you don't, you don't really see the meaning behind that. But then after you get more into the movie and you explore the relationship between her and Francesca more, the word haunted means so much more. And I feel mm. like there's no way it's just all in her head. It's a cool explanation for sure. But I feel like that one is supposed to be taken as something. That no, I kind of agree. And I don't think that, that it, the first one is Francesca. Now that, I'm th now that I've said this out loud, I think it's Tara imagining that the flight attendant is doing that. To uh, that and nah. later in the movie. I, I was going to say it could no, be Sharon. I, think so. I don't know why Sharon would Sharon's be not there. She's probably not on the project. Because it specifically talked about how Francesca was texting her mom. Like uh, later on in the movie, I don't know. that could and be I something just, else. 
and I assume like these two would relate it because like who else would talk about? Anyways, who knows what that is? But it was weird, and I I was a little unhappy that it wasn't resolved. But I think I think it adds to like the allure of the film is setting up these mysteries and kind of leaving you wondering. It's like The Shining, right? Dude, There's all these I, things that you bring up, yeah. and then you never you don't have to explain them and like pound them into the ground well, with it's like, explanations because it ruins it. It's the Tar literally that... says, Tar says in the movie, she's like, it's about the question, not the answer. Like she's talking about music yeah. and she's describing yeah. like, like, yeah, like, oh, like you see how Bach like sets up a question and then he answers it. But he was a humble man and he knew that it wasn't it's, about the answer because he didn't have the answers. It's very Soviet yeah. montage where it's yeah. the thesis and the antithesis come together to create the synthesis. That's the yeah. foundation of uh, editing, specifically yeah. in like the montage school of thought. But um, you know what's crazy though? The fucking yeah. credits at the beginning. Like, oh yeah, that was crazy. Like, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> That's what yeah. you're on about. Like, like, nice. like you know, like I you're respect. Up. I respect what he's trying to do. You know, I I seen some videos breaking down that part specifically. It's like. Oh yeah, like it's the reverse credits of people who are usually coming last in the credits. Yeah. Now showing up first, and then instead of credits appearing that's, at the end of the movie, that's not weird. It, that's the old style at the of beginning filmmaking. Beginning of the movie, but like, man, like first act is already dry as fuck, and you have to no, it isn't through you two yeah, three I'm, minutes of credits. Like, come the fuck on, man. It's it's I guess it's again of setting your expectations for what you're. Ex- what you're expecting can i <laughs> um do we have a specific segment to talk about storytelling or can i talk about why i think first act was a little dry for me we can get let's just get I, I did now. i noted it down i did note that down but i want to keep powering through i do just want to respond to that though credits at the beginning has been i know i know it's the been a staple thing. since like like the for all the mission the impossible movies. movies the the credits were at the beginning but it's not also the true, long yes. version of the credits it's the short version like you list like two three people on a screen and then you move on to this like it's it lasts a lot shorter and there's a lot more going on in the background don't you think that there's something to be said because it's talking about the the idolization of people like tar and it's putting the the, like of the leader and it's putting all the below the line people first and it's putting at the beginning of the movie so that you have to stay and watch it it. it's a cool way to send the message but like I think it's just like based on what I, my opinion of the first act, it does not work. Okay, first act's great. Well, You're wrong. Move, <laughs> move on. I'm, yeah, first act is great, but anyways, COVID in film. We've talked about this oh, yeah. with um, Three Thousand Years of Longing. In that one, I really didn't like how they handled it. This film handles it perfectly. This is how I think COVID should be referred to. It's natural. Don't make a big deal yeah. about it. Just say like, yeah, the lockdown made things weird and, you know, haven't been able to do things for a while because of COVID, but like, you don't dwell on it. It's part Dude, of the I, universe and it feels real. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was, I, think, I loved it. I think the way this, this movie sort of like just basically makes you feel like you're immersed in a real world. There's real people yeah. being mentioned, real world events being mm-hmm. mentioned. And, you know, like, like the whole setting is very grounding, you know, like yeah. you, you can feel immersed in a movie without knowing a lot of context because it is our world the the movie is set in it's not they like also a don't, different earth or anything 
they don't use fake social media when they use it, which is oh, always yeah. something that takes me out. Like it's clearly when they use when they're on Twitter, it's clearly Twitter, like stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I also want to say like the way she talks about like, yeah, we haven't been able to get together as a family. Like, but I've literally had like prof like my acting professor like talked like that. Like say about that all COVID. The time. You, know? Yeah. you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing, like all the time. Yeah. It's a very accurate dialogue. Um I put this here. Um as like an act one sort of thing but Kate Blanchett in this movie is so fucking good yeah I mean I think she sells it and she she makes Tar like this super interesting character who's obsessive and kind of like creepy I don't know I think I think this is like definitely Oscar nomination maybe oh, for sure maybe a win I hard to say about a win but I'm trying to think of like this is a fantastic in, performance. In terms of like leads from a from a an actress, and I only make that designation just because the Oscars do. Or d yeah. did they change that? Uh, yeah, but yeah, I only make the. Oh, they did change that. No, they no, it, it is best actress. It's still the same. Oh, okay. I'm also not a huge fan of how they do that. But okay, well, I yeah, that's I'm just that's the only reason I make that designation. Um, like yeah, she's up there. Like I I loved Mia Goth in uh, oh, uh yes yep. Pearl. Um, or X, then, either one. or X, Mich either Michelle Yao from Everything Everywhere. Yes, once, yeah. Um, sure. And I actually think Florence Pugh and Don't Worry Darling as well like, <laughs> yeah, so is legitimate. Is legitimately imagine, a contender for that. <laughs> like, can you imagine if she won. Does she have an Oscar? I don't think she does. No, she doesn't. Anyways, could you imagine she, she won a first Oscar either. for a terrible movie? <laughs> that is <laughs> insane. Um, anyways, that's just. I just wanted to mention that. Um, yeah. I think also what works so well about acting she's an executive one. producer as well sorry uh, yeah kate blanchett kate and blanchett on tar yeah not yeah. florence Pugh. um yeah. i think what works so well about act one is the dialogue i don't know if you guys can attest to this but i think it's yes. just so captivating i don't know what they did like what special sauce <laughs> there's like if there's exposition in the film i never feel it it all feels yeah. so natural and like baked in and these are characters who are talking about things that they're passionate about and it feels that way and it feels very knowledgeable and for an act one that is mostly conversation and so i can see why one might think it's dry i never found it dry because i was okay. like well, what, are they, what are they gonna say next let Hold me up, peter, peter before you get into it let me just get, i have like a quick i have, I have a, a couple quick things to say Dialogue first, Peter. I have a spot for you. It is coming up. Be patient. In. Okay. Yeah, I want to say, I think the dialogue is amazing. I think, like you said, it feels very natural. I also think the way we have, like, revelation within the scene of a dialogue, like, the way characters open up through dialogue, like, I think in the very first scene, we see that. Like, it's, uh, Tar starts out, and she's kind of, like, um what's the word like deflective like a little bit like she's not quite giving like full answers and then like as she starts talking about things and she starts talking about her art specifically and Mahler she's like really starting to get emphatic and that is uh like it's that's improved upon by the acting it's also the directing like the way we we start that shot um from behind them and then we slowly we turn around there's like a what is it called when you break the 180? It does it a few times. I don't remember what it's called. But they break Breaking the 180 the rule. I think there's a term for it. Crossing the line. Cross the yeah. line. 
but mean, anyway, good directors, like, good directors know when to do that. Like it's right. not, it's not a hard and fast rule. But yeah, but I mean, they do it really well, and then like it's ends on like a close or a medium close of her, and it's like it's really really it's like the way dialogue unfolds and clearly is building to something while also feeling very natural, and also what they're talking about is like stuff that I think is very popular within the zeitgeist. Like it's things that we collectively think about all the time. Like in terms, like in terms of like, sorry, no, but I mean like, no, no, no. I what I'm talking about is like idolize, like idolization of people. We talk about like canceling. We talk about like art and separating art from the artist, and how should you receive art? And that's how like it. it, The first act talks about that a lot. Um, Yeah. Also, I just. Again, so many comparisons to 3,000 Years of Longing, but there's a similar scene in that, in the act one, yeah. where it's like a conference. And just thinking about the ways the different directors direct those scenes, like this this one, I think is so much better. And I mean, hey, it's all about tone and like what the movie is trying to do. But just like the stark contrast of a very similar setup, right? You've yeah. got an expert in the field and... um I keep thinking investigator, a an interviewer with like an yeah. audience, same kind of building. But like, man, Todd Field directs the shit out of that scene. I just, oh, yeah. I think it's so good. Okay, I'm going to jump ahead to Peter's Act 1 uh, issues because I, I can feel you like itching to get at it. So go ahead. Okay, so I think it's really my issue with how the director, because <clears throat> I think he wrote the movie as well. He decided yeah. to... Yeah. Do like how he decided to um, portray Structure. Car at Tar as a character oh. and the character okay. work he does on Tar to sort of help audience to understand what Tar is, who Tar is as a person. Because usually in movies we see a curated sequence um, of scenes or like mm-hmm. uh, scenarios that a director wants you to see that gives you a perspective into the protagonist's life. But instead yep. of doing that, Tawfels decided to give you, instead of a, a curated selection, he gives you the whole thing. He lets you experience it from the beginning to end, no interruption, no cutting away. He lets you... Um, so I think that's the reason why I found it a little dry. Because it's just jam-packed conversations talking about something that I'm not really an expert in. And really using really technical terms which as they should um and the and these things really take me out of the movie i think whiplash is a great counter example of this whiplash is also very technical when it comes to the music vocabulary that, that he uses but the character's action and what's the in the context of the scene it makes sense even to a non-musical audience but in this movie, if you're not very musical, I feel like a lot of it is the, the meaning of it is lost in translation. Like for me personally, when like the interview scene was great, but when they were going to the more technical stuff, I was completely taken out of it. And then later on, like the more character focused stuff, I can dig a little more because it's less technical. But still, like instead of giving you curated selection of scenes or like things that are like, um, it's just different compared to how other directors does it. And I think I'm used to the different style 
um, instead of the, the one that Todd uses in this one. So I think for, like, for me personally, it's very dry. Interesting. Um, yeah. It is, I, I can, like, I, I can empath, empathize that there's a lot of conversations and it, like, not a lot of action, despite, and I mean, this isn't a film that has a whole lot of action either, and it's not supposed to be. But I think to say that it isn't curated is wrong because yeah. it is curated. Those scenes are selected no, no, no. purposefully okay, so to... I'm, hold on, I'm let me finish. It's hold, Let me finish. It is curated. The scenes are written and chosen specifically to reveal certain details. Exposition is a lot of it. But also, like, I think each scene reveals character and... You said it it doesn't cut anything away, and I think that's wrong. I think it's cutting a lot away, you know, the things that Todd doesn't think are important. And, yeah, like, like I'm not surprised that you find it dry. So I can I can understand why you might think that. But I think I think it does it. I think Act 1 is fantastic, actually, and I, I that's probably one of the... I think Act 2 is my favorite, and then Act 1, and then maybe Act 3... So, like, I really did, like, act one. Uh, Aiden? Peter, you can respond to that first. I, I'll, I'll go after. Yeah, so, like, I, basically, I just want to say, um, so, like, what I mean by curate it is instead of, because, like, that interview scene, I think that sort of helps with the realism part as well. Like, him keeping, like, the entirety of the interview instead of just giving you parts or, like, keeping the interview a little shorter, that helps the realism part because that, that's how, like, an actual speaker type of situation would go in but he that only he does only give you parts i think like because because like usually instead of um instead of giving you like a full i, I that was a, like a 10 15 minute sequence like her talking about it's, it music is in the interview drawn um, out like usually it's not that long usually sure. you you stay on it you you uh you 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 take in the story. You take in what this says about the character, and the movie usually cuts away by the time that you take in these points in, and then you move on to something else. Okay, I don't think that. So okay, so I think literally one of my compliments to this movie was going to be I think that the scene is movie is great because scenes end when they are over, and at, which yeah. is like just directly contrary to what you're saying. I think that there is so much information you get like and again to compare this with um triangle of sadness which was the opposite thing where it was like yeah. we understood the point of the scene it's not saying anything more and it just keeps going no this movie is saying so much with every single scene that it's going to require you to watch the movie again and then as soon as we're done like we're done and then also i have a point about the technical dialogue you're not supposed to understand everything they're saying. I certainly didn't. Like, there's tons of moments where I was like, no, I don't really know what they're talking about. I think the movie does a great job of, through the acting, through the directing, and through the dialogue itself as well, giving you enough information so that you understand what's important about it, while also leaving details that you'll, you're going to have to return to in order to understand. Yeah, and I mean... Oh, sorry. Sorry, I have one more thing about Act 1. Sorry. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Good. Yeah, um, I think Act 1, essentially, like, what it really does is it sets up how Tara is treated and how people look at her yeah, in various sure. situations. And that's essential to the movie. And yeah, I, think I, I totally agree with yeah, that. Like, I think I think it that act ends once we've learned that. Like, we, we've learned I, everything there is to learn about that, and it's and, over. 
more important. I agree with that, but I think it's just a very mm. tough, a very tough sell for the act one to be presented in a way that that's dry. But it is it is important character work. I agree with you. But, I don't think it's dry. <laughs> but like, yeah. like I think it's very hard for people to invest in the character. Like you sure. learn a lot of facts about the character, but you don't really, like, you don't emotionally relate to any of the character. Like I disagree. With that. I, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree so with funny. that. I don't. Yeah. I don't think it's hard for you to get. I I can understand how audience members could watch it and it's so much that it's kind of overstimulus. Like I will say I yeah. got like mentally tired watching this movie. Cause I like, mm-hmm. I was thinking so much. Um, and so I understand that, but I, I don't, I don't agree that you're not stepping into the character. Okay. Wait, 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 hold up. Hold up. Which character do you, do you emphasize or sympathize with by the end of act one? I still like, which character can you relate Tarn. to? How? Tarn. How? I like, okay. First kid, of all, it's professional oh field. She's like top of her craft. And she spits out all these technical jargon. And in the personal world, she's like, you know, being followed around. Everyone's serving her. How are you supposed to relate to a character like that? Maybe you're not supposed to. Maybe she seems like a real person. I think part of it is the scene before she goes out on stage. She seems like a vulnerable person with insecurities because she's got this like ritual she does. And I want to get into this later, but um, where she, you know, she's nervous to go out on stage and people can relate to that. So I think there's, I think part of it is, you know, you've got a character who's going to be hard to relate to as we find out. So it is a testament to Todd Field, how he's able to, at least for Aiden and myself, um, (laughs) create empathy for a character that does some really shitty things and treats people not super nice. And I think, hold on, I think it's partly the moment before she goes on stage. And I think also a character who is knowledgeable in a certain field, that's an admirable quality, you know, having right. a particular skill that's interesting. And absolutely. I'm not saying that's not, I think I agree. I, the movie I makes you respect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, like, yeah I think th- like my problem is These that's your not last her... comments on yes, act no. one. All right, warning. All right, so, so that moment doesn't build her up for me. What makes me actually relate and emphasize with her is her moments with family. I think that is something everyone can relate to, but these moments were often a little too brief compared to the technical side. Okay, interesting. Thank you for your opinions on Act 1. Moving on, uh, there's that one scene in Juilliard in the, the like this auditorium for like students and teaching and whatever. Mm-hmm. That's a one-shot. Yeah. That's a one-take scene. That's insane. Wow, I did that not realize so, that. That was That's so crazy. good. Camera yeah. movement. Like, it's so intricate too. To, to, and and the like not only is like you know it's hard enough to do a one shot scene but like the camera's always moving all over the space yeah. it feels like an open world and you know it's it's a long scene so it's crazy that they're able to do it but also like it feels fresh the whole time because they're choosing new angles and every angle has meaning in the story like you know, diminishing characters by making them feel small and being higher yeah. up, being close and intimate. It's, that is a fantastic scene. Like, I feel like film classes might study that scene. Yeah. And you this feel, you feel her whole. presence so well in that scene. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just wanted to shout out that particular scene. Um, another thing I want to shout out, unless Peter, did you have a comment for Yeah. That? Well, let's talk okay. about what's actually presented in the scene. Or do you want I to I want to talk that about that too. 
Do you want oh, to really? Okay. Sure. Sure. Let's go into it. Because because I want to talk about that and also the art versus artist conversation. Do we want to get into that now or do we no, want to save that? Later. Okay. Later. So. Okay. Okay. Just then we'll do it later. Say your piece. Say your piece yeah. on what the scene on this scene what you like or whatever. Oh yeah, like I think the film technique was fantastic, and I didn't know, I didn't realize it's a one shot. Now that you told me it's a one shot, it makes it even more impressive. Okay, what? Well, I thought okay, you okay, talked. No. I we, thought like, you were allowing us to talk yeah. about the content of the scene, man. But you, you want to save it, so it's okay. We'll talk about it later. I don't want to talk about separating the art from the artist, but if you have something else to say, like what they're talking about, but with like Bach, it's so related. Talk about the Bach it, thing. That is artist and art. I feel like. I think I think the conversation was interesting, and the fact that like the the one person wants to separate the art from the artist, which becomes a huge factor in the movie later on, which is yeah. you know great way to set it up. I think I think Tar does have some points against the student because like I agree. I think Tar, Tar makes some good points in that yeah, scene, and, he, and, and he's it's very superficial to be like, oh, he's a straight white guy, and I'm not, so I can't relate. But you can. Yeah, I, and I also think what's really interesting is that like he's like, yeah, well, Bach was like a misogynist, and then he calls her a bitch to end. Yeah, Edward's like <laughs> you're a, a bitch, and like it's yeah. like I think like it does draw on like there is a certain amount of like yes, we should hold people accountable, and yes, you should like you should be aware of like what's happening. You should be very critical of people, but like at the same time, like a lot of people just like see an opinion online and that opinion makes them comfortable because they don't have to challenge anything. And like, they don't really haven't really probed into that at all. And they wind up being like kind of hypocrites. Like, I think that it, it makes a good point where like, but then also some of the things Tar is saying are like, okay, well, you're being a little callous about this. Like he has some legitimacy here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Anyways, I think, yeah, I think that's a great scene, and I think the content of the scene is as good as, like, the technique. Um, yeah. Shortly after that, Tar threatens a child, and that scene <laughs> is so good. I love that. Yeah. And, like, it says so much about her character. Um, I don't know. I, I thought that scene was fun, and they use, like, a, a really wide-angle lens, I noticed, and, yeah. I I really like. Dude, that I love scene. how like she can just casually appear in public and no one's like, "Hey, can I have an autograph?" <laughs> you thing. saw a conductor in yeah, public. Yeah, you have no idea who a Would you even recognize them? As well, I mean, I feel like a stranger. I no, don't know. Peter. You don't know. You couldn't yeah. name a single conductor because her star power feels immense. She's like very popular. No, when... only in her world. Right. Yeah. I also. I, yeah. There's a quick detail I'll point out. I promise I'll keep it yep. brief. It's just like she refers to herself as um, Petra's father, which I think was interesting because I mean, yes. like, there is there she is on the male the the masculine role in the relationship. Yeah, that's I, not really I what I was. That. I like that's not what I was trying to say. There's it's interesting because in the very first scene, she has this uh, talk where she talks about like oh like women now. She essentially says like women now who are conductors have nothing to complain about like because. Like yeah, because like she separates really her gender from her work. It's like another art artist. Sure, thing. but like what I'm getting at is like it is interesting though, where it's like there are multiple times throughout this the movie where it's like it almost represents gender as like an office that you hold, and like because of her status and her position, it's like a traditionally masculine position, 
And like she kind of embodies yeah. that. And I, I can see that. that. I can see that. Because because like Aiden, that's a really good point. Because like remember when she first came home, and then her wife was trying to find her pills, right? And she immediately solved the problem by finding the pill and giving it to her. And that's sort of like this like direct action oriented is more traditionally reserved for like a male role in the relationship. And right. I think and to be clear, mode. To be clear, we're not saying that that's what like men and women like are. Oh yeah, like, that's, that's like stereotype. It it's just like that's what the traditional yeah. constructed yeah. gender is. Yeah. yeah. Um, moving on, um, a really big draw to me for this movie, and something that was featured in that one teaser that I saw. Like I didn't see any other promotional videos for this. Um, is that maze symbol that mm. has like n- almost no purpose in and the movie? It's funny. You talk about Villeneuve. Have you seen Prisoners? I was thinking the same the exact same. Yeah. 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 So that's why I thought it was going to be such a big thing because I was like, it's very Villeneuve. And, you know, like the director seems to be on the same kind of wavelength. And then it didn't go anywhere. But man, I just like, and I'm ultimately, I'm fine with that. I think it's okay. I like and it. I think they're, I think they explain that it's, um, what's her name? Krista. The girl who, Krista, yeah. It's Krista's like doodles. And so yep. she's being haunted by the doodles. That yeah, she's it's like her do. paranoia as well. Like, yeah, because it's like, and like amaze the, the invokes the feeling of being trapped and like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I feel and like the anagrams it, stuff. Oh, it's it's just it like makes, that. Aesthetic it makes stuff. complete sense of where the maze is appearing to, because she's like a perfectionist. You know, she wants everything to be perfect, and you can see her. You know, constantly trying to clean her hands as well, uh, trying I, to be clean. It's, yeah, yeah. it's all right. I'll, I'll save that. that for. It's more yeah. than that, but like we'll get into that. And, and also the, the fact that you, you, the fact you call it a maze though is interesting because I think that's kind of what this movie is. Of like she's caught in a maze, right? She and she's doesn't navigating notice, through it, mm-hmm. and like, yeah. it takes her some time to be like, "Oh, I'm gonna get in trouble really soon." Yeah. Anyways, we're gonna take a small break, and then we're gonna be break back. time. And we're back from the break. You didn't feel the break, but we did. Uh, so let's talk about there's a particular scene or a, a beat or a shot where Tar wakes up in the middle of the night because a sound is annoying. And that shot is the same shot and it happens three times. And it's not even like a similar shot. It's the exact same yeah. shot of her waking up. And that's one of those things that I was like, I don't like this. It's, you know, it's it's kind of, dare I say, it's don't worry, darling it, where, you know, doing doing the same beat over and over again, but not having any escalation or anything new to say about it. It's just sure. repetition, which I... Think I there's a and, small and difference, maybe? Like, I feel it's like different... it's like she's waking up. Sometimes there's someone beside her when she's waking up. And then sometimes, like, are you referring to the scene where she wakes up and she's transported into this like tropical sort of like no. there's okay like, let me okay let me describe so she's and trees no it's in her home and she's usually with sharon and she wakes up in the middle of the night because there's an annoying sound the best one is also the first one which i think was a weird the choice metronome. to make it first with the metronome and the maze yeah. design like if and because it doesn't get better than that like the other ones are fairly lame i was like why what are and, the other like, ones like the fridge two are about the fridge and it goes nowhere and i was like why would you not you know start with the fridge be like okay i can't find the sound go back to bed 
do it again, look somewhere else. And then the third time it's the metronome with the maze. I think, I think that's one of the few things in this film that I was like, not pleased with. So it was partly no escalation and repetition. And the fact that the first shot for those small scenes are the exact same for a movie that, you know, takes place largely in the same spaces and is often able to find new angles to keep it interesting. That was one instance where he didn't. And I, yeah, I maybe, maybe it's just like him trying to, that's her. Cause like, I remember at the beginning, uh, I think it was talking to her old professor, her old teacher. Yeah. She, she was talking about how, like, uh, the, I think he was talking about how the sensibility of noise defines a person's intelligence or like music, yes. like something. And like the fact we'll get that you can't stand yeah. noise, maybe yeah. that's like telling something. Yeah, I I agree that they probably could have done more with that. Yeah, I think I think they could have escalated that a bit more. Yeah, man, I'm just. I wonder what Vin- Villeneuve would have done with the maze symbols. I, I'm sure. I'm certain well, that he would have done more with it. And I. I, I don't know. I I disagree. I, like, I, I like the. the I like the maze symbols and I like that they're just something that's there. I think in prisoners, yeah. like it's kind of similarly hand unless I'm remembering prisoners wrong. I don't think wrong, we get yeah. a definitive answer to that. It's just something that yeah. we keep seeing. Yeah. It doesn't super well, it ties into the end for that one for sure, but it doesn't really have too much bearing on the plot. Well, whatever. It's, it's also like thing. enemy, like the spider web in enemy. I haven't so seen enemy maybe, yet, but okay, yeah. Yeah, never mind. Um, I think it's really just like a physical manifestation of her guilt. Like instead of just like, like being yeah, trapped yeah. in guilt mentally, she's also like seeing physical symptoms. It's yeah. it's whatever. I I like it, but also wish there was more. Um, now I've been alluding to this for a while, but I think it's fairly clear to me, and I didn't realize this until the movie was over, and I was at home thinking about it. I think Tar has OCD. And I, yeah. I really like how that's portrayed. So she's got, first of all, really important for uh, portraying OCD. She's got rituals. So before mm-hmm. she goes on stage, she has to, I forget what the first couple things are, but the last two are brushing each shoulder off. Um, what else? She's very um, uh, like Hyper-clean. clean mm-hmm. and she needs to feel clean. So when she goes into the apartment of like a middle or lower class person, Okay, that's not, to, why. She, that's not why. That's not why. I thought I saw that more new page. Yeah, she has to touch. Hold on, let me finish. She has to touch an older woman to help her get into her. I think it's her toilet seat, which is yeah, because she literally but, she was she was like there was shit. She on wasn't the floor. touching the poop. She was. I didn't. Maybe there was, but anyway. And there was shit on her. Okay, like, but that on, doesn't on mean she woman. doesn't have OCD. Like it's very clearly no, no, no. like I know, I know, but like she in gets, that context. Like, it, it makes sense. I obviously, like, she changed, like, her entire outfit. Normal people yeah. would not react the same way. They might yes. also yeah. be like, that was gross. But hers is, like, frantic. And, like, she takes off all her clothes and is, like, you know, scrubbing very, like, violently. Anyways. Yep. So cleanliness, rituals. And then, of course, the sounds is a particular thing for her in the movie. She can't work Stand unless noise. it's, like... Yeah. absolute yeah. quiet and you know those things bother her mm-hmm. and all of her spaces are very like orderly and 
like sharp lines. So I thought that was really. It's interesting. also it's also you see it in her work, like the way, like how specific and how like everything needs to sound like exactly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When well, she's I mean, that's sort of the job of a conductor, though. Like, you I know, but I think, like, I agree, but that by itself doesn't mean anything, but I think given the other pieces of context... Oh, right, so, like, her, it adds on to yeah. the character. Right, okay. Yeah, so I, it's, it doesn't have, like, a huge bearing on the plot, and, you know, there might be, like, maybe something thematic to say about it, but I just think it's an interesting yeah, this is a cool layer character. to her character. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah, I do have a, a different quick point, though, just about the woman thing. Again, I'll keep it brief. I think that she has, like, a certain complex about age. Like, she's attracted to, like, youth and youthfulness. Yo. And, I think there's, and I think there's also something to be said about, like, this old woman, like, because she's kind of repulsed by this old woman beforehand anyway. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Mm-hmm. Like, is it, am no, I misremembering? The is the, there's a couple which, older. Which old woman? Well, in the, the apartment. Middle aged woman, and her mother is very old, but the middle aged yeah. woman, I think, is who you're referring to. I don't know if it was her age. I think it's. I th- well, okay, I think and then. It's important that, that it, you're right. She doesn't represent what she finds sexually attractive, and she finds this woman repulsive. Maybe it's age, but also just like. Yeah, her but aura, there's also something to do, like. When she sees, like, that the woman is dead and that mm. she's been carried out, like, there's a certain, like, aversion she has that I can't, I can't quite put my finger on, but I do think it was trying to say, right, yeah. like, there was a layer to her character that had to do with, like, she has this complex about aging. Well, it might Maybe. also be just that here's a dead character and, you know, she's haunted by sure. a dead character, Krista. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good I point. Don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I, because the other thing is, like, other than that subplot, I don't see much else about old women so i i wouldn't well i think it was just like one wrinkle yeah but, sure yeah anyways sure. there's a there's an homage that i think i think aiden caught it as soon as i did um yeah. to a particular film uh rat catcher so this is for like film people or people specifically in our film class where this movie has <laughs> been you know referred to constantly um but there's a scene where petra is like twirling herself in the curtains and that's it's a very iconic image from this movie called Brat Catcher. Uh, Lynn Ramsey. Lynn Ramsey, yeah. Yeah, that name's just ingrained in my brain at this point. Yeah, um, yeah our film prof loves Lynn, Ram- Lynn Ramsey. <laughs> loves, yeah. yeah. And so that was that was cool for us, just being like, oh, yeah. look, it's Rat Catcher. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's got a really good movie called You Were Never Really Here with uh, yeah. Joaquin Phoenix. That one's Also, really We Need to Talk like, About Kevin is also very good. Oh, right. She did. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. Anyways, that was just a small thing. Uh, another part that Aiden and I were reacting to similarly is there's a couple of moments where secondary characters are reacting to what Tara is saying, and yeah. their faces are just so oh funny. Oh my god, dude! Like for Sharon just, specifically, like there's so many moments where like, I don't know if it was Sharon. For me, it was like that guy. I don't. I don't know what his job is, but he's in the orchestra, but he's also like kind of in charge. And he's, oh, he's the assistant, the guy who's being cycled out. No, no, the guy the with guy the glasses, glasses with long hair. The guy right? with the glasses, curly hair, who stays and who's kind of like, oh yeah, yeah yes, yeah, yeah. In his reaction yeah. to something is like, like they're all like, hmm, and they're like yeah, very yeah. clearly using yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little yeah. over the top, and I just we found it so funny, and it yeah. happens so often. There's a bunch of characters who do it. Yeah, I don't. That must be a Todd Field thing because. 
there's no way that many characters do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a lot of that where, like, character is doing something where it's like, oh, this is kind of, like, a little obvious. Like, what, yeah. like, what you're saying. In the acting, like, specifically. In the acting, specifically. And, like, I mean, uh, also in the scene in Juilliard, like, when the guy's, like, bouncing his leg that much. I was also thinking, like, that's I a little... Like, it's a little I don't obvious. Know. I liked that acting for that guy. It was. I feel like on he was off. definitely directed to do that, though, because it's yeah, like yeah. it's something that is set up and pays off when she stops his leg later. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there was there were. If I actually, this is a criticism I do have. I think there are some parts where, it, like, it does seem like it's a little on the nose, like yeah, on the, the acting, like, and just little things like the leg bouncing, but it's. It's not super common in the movie, but just occasionally mm -hmm. it comes up and you're like, okay, like... I completely agree about the leg bouncing. And it's a little too I know that I'm yeah. very aware of it in, like, our film classes or other classes where people start bouncing their knee, and especially if it yeah. makes a noise. So I know oh, yeah. people do it. I know people do it a lot. But, like, there yeah. was something about the way it was portrayed where I was like... Something's weird and it's yeah. too obvious. But, I just would I would have um, liked the detail to be more subtle. I, and I don't, I don't yeah, know how you do yeah, that, but yeah. Subtlety, yeah. Um another weird this is minor detail, but she uses like her ringtone is so weird. It's it's the one I use for like an alarm or like a stopwatch. So it's not something that I associate with getting a phone call. <laughs> I don't know about you, but like that was really weird to me. I didn't pick up on that. I don't have Apple, so I didn't, maybe I just wasn't thinking oh, about yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is a, like it's a generic. Hold up. She's using an Apple phone. Is that allowed? Apple famously doesn't allow villains or bad characters to use Apple phones. Oh, yeah, she also has a MacBook. So, like, I guess Tar isn't like technically a villain, but she's not a good person, so. That's interesting. I'm surprised Apple was okay with that. Mm. Uh, another sound thing, very small. The Todd Field uses silence a lot in this movie, yes. and I really admire that. Uh, yeah. In you know scenes that could have been you know filled with commotion and hubbub, kind of like noise. There's the one that really I picked up on it was the car scenes. Whenever the car is driving down the road. It's like silent, dead silent. Yeah, I found that so powerful, even yeah. if it's maybe not super realistic. I don't know. But I thought it was really good. I thought it, like it's such an interesting choice. Like it's about a conductor making music, but it's such a quiet movie. There's rarely, if ever, like non diegetic music. In Extraneous it. noises. Yeah. Yeah. Like and yeah, I think like yeah, I really, I really liked it too. I thought it set a really good tone. Yeah. Okay, so now I think all the rest of the points take place in that final act in that other country that I don't know if they say where it is, but um Okay, I have a quick thing that this is like literally a five second point. Like Sure. Okay. If it's before the end. We we both reacted to this. It's near the end. It's like one of the dream things. Like she gets mm -hmm. out of bed and there's someone like sitting in the corner of her room. Yeah. Draped in yeah. shadow. I remember I looked over to Alex. I was like, what the, did you see that? But like, yeah, it's like, and it's like, what the fuck? It's like really scary. Like, yeah. It's like, it's like sleep paralysis demon sitting on the yeah. chair or like pile of clothes sitting on the chair. That's shaped like a human, like that classic thing. Yeah. But yeah, they never address it. I think. And yeah. I, I kind of like that. The fact I like that, that too, yeah. this 
creepy thing that's you know, and you never pay off. And I think it's getting in that head headspace, Tar's yeah. headspace. That's what this movie does so well yeah. is create this atmosphere that you feel like you're Tar instead of experiencing the world objectively. Right. I think this is a masterful example of just direction. Uh, yeah. Anyways, good. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, we go to a different country and she's on a boat and the person warns her to take her hand out of the river. He says there's crocodiles and he says, yeah, he says, um, oh no, she, first she says, I didn't know that crocodiles came this far inland. And he said, oh yeah, they had escaped from a Marlon Brando movie and, yeah. and they survived. And that's actually a subtle reference to Lyle La Crocodile. <laughs> I thought about that in theater. I thought about that in theater. Yeah, I literally, I noticed, I noticed you hear that, like laugh to yourself and then write something down. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm I terrible. That Anyways. Yeah, that's funny. I do have an actual point about that, thinking about that. That line is yeah. so good because she is the crocodile. She's the one who survives despite, you know, all odds against her she's gonna survive this because she's tough and she's also evil probably i don't know just like crocodiles just like crocodiles and lyle <laughs> evil he's sinister sean mendes alligator yeah yeah um there's a great scene that it took me a second to figure out what was going on uh in the massage parlor mm-hmm. where there's so she she has to pick who her masseuse will be which i i I was so taken aback that I like I didn't understand what was going on because I was like, "What is this? What's going on?" I didn't understand that she was picking a masseuse. Like I thought, I thought it was like a sauna at first. So I was like, "Does she oh, go yeah. in there?" And yeah. <laughs> it took like a Wikipedia article to explain it to me. But so the masseuses are like arranged like an orchestra in a U with like two rows, and mm. one looks up at her, and the one that mm. looks up at her is in the same spot in the orchestra where Olga would sit. Wow! (laughs) You got it either. Okay, I think it was maybe too subtle where I was like, I don't know what you're doing. Because right after that, like, Tar has to leave and like... Why did she throw up though? Like, was she repulsed by like... Because like, I thought it's like the movie is trying to say that, oh yeah, now looking back, now she has to pick someone and i can perform a service on her she's so repulsed by that idea but then like earlier on she's done like so much to like you know coerce young girls into relationships somehow she was not yeah i think there is something to do with exploitation within Mm. there like but that's the thing like i wouldn't even criticize that even though i didn't get it like because that's the kind of thing like i'd watch that again and i'd think about it and i'd like talk to people about it and i'd get information like this and like that's how movies should be you know that's fair i just feel like as a whole act three wasn't as strong for me i couldn't describe why and it might just be like you know what act two and act one are great and act three is the best version of itself and maybe you don't like it as much but that's okay but okay let me let me ask you guys something though Mm-hmm. What 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 was going on between her and Elliot? Like, cause like when she That's when she was fi- when when she was fighting Elliot on the stage, oh. Elliot said no, like you misunderstood or something. No, this is not how it looks like or something. Like, 
was she supposed to like was it always the plan that he's supposed to conduct like the first piece and then she comes on no because like no, she was he dressed was, like he was hold on he was her replacement she was yeah. fired for the sexual misconduct allegations he was her replacement i don't know why he like you know that's sounds like dialogue that you would say in that situation but she was like really pissed off that but then how why was she all dressed up and like in the in the backstage she, she right wanted to, to take over she wanted what? to take over really she was intending to kick him off stage and do the performance herself yeah and she was in such a like like she hit like this peak of madness that she didn't even like she didn't stop to think about like uh, that's not obviously gonna work like you that's not gonna happen you know what I mean? Like she wasn't thinking about the situation like that anymore. Okay. What I am interested in something that I thought I was a little confused by in that scene is like, why does when she's standing beside the trumpet player in the back before she goes on, why doesn't he he doesn't even like acknowledge that yeah, she's there? Like, and he doesn't I, think it's weird like, that she's Was there a scene that explicitly yeah. stated that she's fired? I don't remember seeing that. No, but I think I, we can infer she was. Yeah. I, I wasn't confused about that yeah i mean yeah. hmm there might have been something where i was like i don't know what's going on but it becomes apparent very quickly where yeah. i'm not really guessing and i was like oh yeah he she, okay. he's replacing her um let's uh that ending that ending was hilarious especially yeah. for those who it was not spoiled for when <laughs> I, think, I think i knew what was going on vaguely as yeah. soon as the like when I saw the space she was in, I was like, interesting. And then the screens come down and I went, Oh no. <laughs> I thought, I thought it was like conducting for like a movie and like, yeah. this was, you know, and probably like a Marvel movie. So I was kind of close where it was going to be something stupid and like yeah. pop culture. And it definitely was. I love that so much. And then when you cut to the audience members in cosplay, so funny. I love yeah. that. That was pretty funny. Yeah, it was great. I, I think it's still, I still thought that was great, even though I knew it was going to happen. Like, I still thought the reveal was Dude, really good. You, you just can't, man. You can't describe these costumes. These costumes are fucking <laughs> wild. <laughs> you and see the guy yeah. with, like, the fruit thing on his head? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> They're insane costumes. Yeah. And I love how, as the camera keeps moving, the costumes get more and more insane. So you can't. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's not, it's not like, oh, that's funny. And then, yeah, I get it. It's, it's escalating. Yeah. So he knows what he's doing. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the thing we wanted to talk about the whole time. Cancel culture. How did you feel about the storyline? When did you realize that's what it was? Um, can you separate art from artists? Power dynamics? Anything you wow, want to talk a, that's about? That's a lot. That's a lot, cool. man. Yeah, so I will <laughs> say I knew going in that that's what it was. So I didn't have to have a realization point that mm -hmm. that's what it was going to be i will just talk about my power dynamics thing really quickly yeah. i think that Let's talk about what you want to say, yeah yeah so this is like um it's definitely related to the cancer culture thing and it's like she has stepped into the position we've talked about like almost how like her status is like it's it's it is uh an, a position she's aspired to but it's also like an office that she holds like it's not necessarily her specifically and she like she steps into that and like this position of power warrants her um like so much power over other people and so i'll get specific like there are certain scenes where it's like i don't think she realizes 
like the power dynamic that is going on between people. Like, so for example, when she's conducting and this is second act, um, and it's right before, um, she picks Olga to be, uh, the, the soloist for the companion piece Mm -hmm. for the thing she's doing. Um, and she like, she finishes uh, a rehearsal and she's like, Oh, that was great. And she's talking to the main cellist who would presumably be the soloist, or that's what I picked up on. Um, and she's talking to her and she asks her like, yeah, uh, would you be okay if we held auditions? And it's like, I don't know if she's aware that it's like, she can't say no to that question. Uh, no, no. You know I I mean? I think, like, I think, I think it's two layers. Like one thing is that she can't say no. But second, she wasn't asking if like she's okay with us holding audition. She's asking if she's fine with her not being the soloist because this performance is very important and she needs someone to sort of like helm like the entire cello people. Yeah, you know? no, I know. But the, so, like she's basically no. asking her like she deserves that spot, but she Tara is asking. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Up, you know? I'm not saying anything. I didn't say anything contrary to that. But yeah, I'm yeah. saying like what's important, like I think that's really interesting. And I think like, I there's a certain amount of like I don't think she views what she was doing as like predatory Manip- behavior necessarily or manipulative for sure yeah like, like yeah. it's natural to her yeah and like and I think yeah. that has to do with like the influence she's accrued and I don't think she fully grasps the position she's in and yeah, I, I think that I, has to, yeah I feel that hanging over every scene she has with Olga just yeah. the fact that you know, like you are sort of my boss and things go south very quickly. And a lot of like what Olga might be inclined to do, you know, like I, those scenes I, are very tense. I, I think, think it's there. very cool though. Cause like you, you, you've been this person where everyone listens to you and everyone serves your needs. And it comes to someone, this sort of like a uh, subversion that you do not expect someone who's new who's yeah. new to the scene that you expect to for, for them to obey you almost but they somehow they somehow like subvert your expectation at every turn and does not agree with all of your opinions or like everything you want them to do and then that's like i think one of the things that trigger her eventual crumble it's like she's almost lost faith in herself yeah, I think that, and, like, I guess if we bring this back, like, to cancel culture specifically, I really liked the way this movie talked about it. I think that what, if you pitch to me, like, oh, I'm going to make a movie about cancel culture, I would almost instantly give you a thumbs down. Because I think most people are yeah. going to make a shitty movie that isn't saying much and is either just, like, so, like, pro or against whatever, but, like and not doing anything interesting with it. But I think this movie explores, um, explores her in a position of power. And it also explores like the way people react to her is so interesting in this. Right. I think that's the more interesting part instead of the action, honestly. And I think that like, we talked about it in the Juilliard scene, like between like the guy who is kind of, he has some validity in what he's saying, but he's also kind of just using Twitter platitudes. Like, it's very much like, and he's talking, so many people are talking as if they're being recorded. And, like, that's the impression I got from that guy in Juilliard. Like, from, like, the very first thing he's saying. Like, and this idea of, like, eyes always on you, and, like, you need to feel very correct. Bro, the funny thing is, but it's also not... 
Yeah, someone was recording. Let me finish my point. Let me finish my point. Um, it's but it's also not saying that like every something is specifically correct or incorrect. Like it's not saying cancel culture is bad. Like because it's like Tara is a bad person. She's done really shitty things, and she yeah. should lose this position of authority and of power she has like absolutely but there's also there are different layers to it i thought it was really interesting yeah movie presents you the the take uh, sorry the movie presents you the situation but doesn't give you the take i'm yeah i i also think like the kid from juilliard is like the perfect embodiment of the new school of thinking not even school just like how youth these days which includes us obviously but you know, we speak differently because we choose our words so carefully mm-hmm. to, you know, here I am thinking of my words carefully, like, you know, so yeah. as to not offend and to not say something cancelable. I mean, I think a lot of people have, you know, aren't going to say anything cancelable because they're just good people. But, you know, things can be taken out of context. So, and And there's this idea of like being politically correct. And I think the movie handles these things very naturally and it's never forced, which is something like that idea of something being so forced is it's so easy in a movie that's yeah. trying to tackle this subject. So I think, and yeah, I think it's just like the fact that this movie is, has something for the character to do other than talk about cancel culture so that the movie, yeah. like the theme is within the movie, but it's not, it's not the text, it's the subtext. That's what that's what makes the movie good. Yeah, and I think... Sorry, you go, Peter. Okay, I, I, I just want to say I like, really appreciate like the, the, the people surrounding Tar and their reaction to her actions, like Ada mentioned. Um, so first, we, if we're talking about power dynamics, the exploitation she does, uh, and sort of people are indifferent around her because uh, she's in that position of power, and also... Like you, you see, like towards the end of the movie, people are visibly uncomfortable with some of the decisions she makes, and I love that evolution. That's one thing. And then second, I want to talk about Francesca. Um, so Francesca was like ready to, I think, take take on the assistant conductor role, right? Like I think she was like, I've been helping you for a very long time. You know me, I know you. So like she was hoping that she can get that role. But then because of like the email thing, which is like her trying to force Francesca to delete these emails so she can be sort of cleared of these charges, things that, you know, she she basically, I think, blackmailed Krista, right? She t- sent a bunch of uh, uh, emails to companies that's like, oh, she's she, like she very... Did, she blacklisted, she not blackmailed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry, Wait, blacklisted. Black- yeah. <laughs> she blackballed. <laughs> I don't know uh, what that is, but she blacklisted for sure. And then, like, when Frances- Francesca, she realized that Francesca didn't do that. Like, I think that's one of the things that, like, sort of, like, it's like, oh, yeah, like, you're not going to be assistant conductor anymore. It's just because, like, people doesn't align with her own morals. She refuses to recognize them or, like, promote them into a, a higher position of power because of that. You either, like, yeah. align with me or you're not getting anywhere. And when she visits Francesca's apartment, I found it very funny that uh, the book title was crossed out and it said, it's a tar on tar, it's rat on rat. So like, <laughs> so like people, around, people <laughs> around her weren't happy, but, but like they can't vent that frustration because she's in the position of power because she can't hurt them 
if like yeah. you know she's unhappy with what they're doing and i think it's a very realistic take on cancel culture and also extremely like um human take because like that's something human would do like if you don't align with me obviously i'm not gonna like you but like uh like that being, being placed into someone with this much power it's obviously irresponsible and the way we see how that situation evolves is very interesting yeah um and so one of you wanted to talk about i think maybe even both uh separating art from the artist can you do that have we talked about it to death already what do you guys think uh let's let's talk about it i think i think it's interesting because like if we're talking about like art versus artists a lot of old like very renowned artists can be canceled or like they, they're not great people you know what i'm saying like uh especially people like uh like in classical music for example uh like apparently he's a misogynist he like had a lot of kids and wow. something yeah so so like i think it's very hard because like these people their work is considered like the best of the best um preserved through history and we're still playing it today there's a reason for that because it's that good you know and i think like in modern days it's getting harder and harder to separate art from artists because like often because like social media we're just so aware of what's going on and it's, it's also like part of being an artist is like selling yourself as a brand so you're not just yeah, consuming like, art you're consuming the person because because mm -hmm. like can you really separate art with an artist in a social media world because like if you know that this artist is done like for example if army hammer comes out and act again like i bet no one's gonna go see that because like right. the, the the some of the things he does right but like, that being said i'll still watch like sorry to bother you because how many people worked on that movie you know what I mean? And that's a movie he was in, in case that context okay. is missing. But it's like, I've how many people worked on... You've never heard of Sorry to Bother You? Is it, it that's sounds the like Keith, I think you should uh, leave. That's the Keith's movie, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, that one. Center. Sorry, yeah. yes, yes, yes. That one came yeah. out in 2018. That's yeah. an older movie. But the Army Hammer stuff was more recent. No, but that's what I'm movie. saying. Like, I wouldn't retroactively, like, throw that movie out because he's sure. in it. And because, that's like, and it's... It's a small role, but like I mean, also like, like how like there's so many people that work on films. Like I don't think you can reduce it down to that. And I also think that you can consume. Sorry, for like film is different because right. so many people work on it. But like when you're talking about musicians, it really is. Well, I guess conducting is like a film, so I don't know. Yeah, but I do think that like. Okay, I just have one more. Fuck, I don't remember what my point was now. Like, um, okay, Alex was like, before we were talk we were going into the podcast. Alex was like, okay, Kanye. Like, would you still listen to Kanye's music? Yeah, yeah. I like. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. Probably. I'm not gonna stop listening to like graduation. But to yeah, me, like the way I great. <laughs> yeah, the way I'm yeah. gonna the way I consume art is not like like I try my best. I don't think separating art from the art artist is necessarily necessary because mm. i don't think you need to consume the artist i think that's the wrong that's way to do it that's such a great point I and i think that, that yeah. and i think that you mm. can you can consume something and watch it and be critical about it and i think when you publicly speak about something um that involves someone who is quote unquote problematic i think you should talk about that and i think you should criticize that but i think you can still consume the art and parse through it but that being said now that i'm saying that there are certain things like i don't want to watch roman polanski films 
Like I yeah, right. Like it's tough like, to watch. You know that. what I mean? Like even as I'm saying that, like no, ew, fuck that guy. But I think it's, I don't know. for him, it's There's also something like a be, viewpoint yeah. because like directors give you a viewpoint on things, and yeah. his is like a pedophilic. Even if it maybe doesn't necessarily come through in the film, you feel like you're watching a story through the eyes of a pedophile, which is very off-putting and uncomfortable to think about. So I guess it also could be with one. him that he's a like he never faced shit. He's a fugitive that like to this day like is hiding in another country. But then that also kind of contradicts what I was saying. We're like, oh, I don't consume the artist. Because, like, well, clearly I do to an extent. So I don't know. It's mm. it's gray. It's also just, like, financially. Like, if you support, if you try to separate the art from the artist and you try to enjoy the art, you're funding the problematic person. Yeah, but then it. when there's certain things, like, so with Kanye, that doesn't matter. He's a billionaire. Like, that doesn't do anything. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if people make that argument against, like, Kanye and J.K. Rowling, it's like, we're talking about billionaires. It doesn't matter financially whether or not you are streaming their music or, suppose, like, consuming yeah. this stuff. But I, I might agree with, like, a smaller scale person. So, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe you do consider the artist. But, I think but, you just always have to be very critical. But, but, like, also, I think it's very interesting that, like oftentimes these things don't impact the big artists as much if you really think about it yeah sure they might lose it on future revenues but they're already so rich that they don't need the money but in terms of small artists it's like the destruction of one's career you know yeah anyways movie has a lot to say about cancer culture and i think it does it well i think that's the general consensus okay so aiden i mean i think that's enough for this movie is there, a, is there a segment yeah. that we do? So, I don't know if you know the title of the podcast, but we've done the movie part. Now it's time to get into The Predator. I have a question to ask you guys. Would The Predator, from the movie Predator, oh, that one, that one. <laughs> like improve upon this movie in any way? How would we fit The Predator in? Again, The Predator from the movie Predator. 1987. Or maybe it's 86, I never remember. Dude, yeah. dude, dude, I, hear me out. Hear I, have me hot, out. Crazy, I have a hot take. Hold on, Peter. Crazy Peter, idea take. here. I have a hot take that I've never said out loud before. I think this movie has enough predators already. I don't think we Bro! <laughs> Definitely didn't work on that one. Hey, <laughs> yeah, that, that is my first time hearing that one. I didn't hear that one. <laughs> dude, I have, a, I have a new one for you. I have a new one for you. Hear me yeah. out, hear me out. What if Predator hunt the predator oh which, which one though is tar yeah. hunting an alien <laughs> i feel like well, honestly good. honestly you know with their boxing stuff bro they can they can go at it you know i mean there's scenes where like it would fit in like the one with the dog in the underground spot and the kind of like dreamy sequence where she's you know imagining all of her lovers kind of like looking at her and it's like watery just throw yeah. predator in there randomly and yeah. <laughs> it's like the pile of clothes that looks like a person you know just like background of scenes don't mention it just to kind of freak you out yeah is that it is that i think that it? predator should have been a student at juilliard that's my know. take yeah. yo uh, predator <laughs> playing music yeah i think that obviously he plays barry sax um 
Peter, I think we have another segment. Do we, do we now? I yeah. think we do. What have you guys seen in the, in the past week? Oh, yeah, there We're is a name. We're workshopping a name. Um, so we're deciding between goat or mode, diamonds or dust, or just yes. Rex. Rex so and anti-Rex. If you actually <laughs> listen to this whole podcast, you know, shout out to us or like, I don't know, use the internet, use our Twitter, and tell us what you think. Gold versus mold, or diamonds or dust or something else. What should we call this segment? The recommendation segment. So... Um, we have some Rex, Peter, who is Rex? What's going on? Um, so I actually, I've not seen that much in the past week. I've actually like, I've only seen Tar actually, as a matter of fact, but, uh, I am excited to watch a lot of movies the week after, uh, next week. So, uh, I have After Sun, Banshee and, uh, All Quiet on the Western Front on my watch list. So I'm hoping to knock these three out next week lots to come but nothing seen yet no yeah uh aiden what about you uh yeah i watched a couple things i watched a horror movie on netflix called incantation or it was the incantation um it was a taiwanese found footage film um i i liked it it was it was actually like it was pretty scary um it definitely was not a very focused movie. Like it needed to, it kind of felt like just throwing shit at a wall sometimes. Um, but it was, it was pretty effectively scary. Um, I also, I'm questioning like why they used found footage. Like they use found footage, but then there's also shots that it's like, you could not have gotten that shot. So like, right. And it's like, if you're not going to do found, fo- if you're going to do found footage, commit to it. Like what's the point? But anyway, like it was, it was pretty good. If you're looking for like a like a fun horror movie to watch over Halloween, that's might actually because I watched it with a group and it, it legitimately freaked a bunch of people out. So it will have might have that effect. I also watched I rewatched the movie The Lamb uh, in film class, and Alex was also there. This is a movie I recommend. It is not perfect, um, but I quite enjoyed it. I've seen it twice now, and I've liked it both times. Um, and then also just uh, been watching Andor. Andor is great. Watch Andor. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, I've also been watching Andor. I think the last episode was one of my favorites, the one in the prison. It's just so yeah. good. No um, spoilers. I have not seen that one yet. Okay, that's all I'll yeah. say. Um, okay. I, as Aiden said, I watched Lamb. That for me is an anti-rex. So that's that's mold for me. It's gold for Aiden, but mold for me. And man, I just, the way I saw it, it was a hollow A24 indie horror or uh, folk horror. It's not even a horror movie. It's not even a real horror movie. No, 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 no. It's not. It really isn't. And it's, it's this aesthetic that has no substance underneath it. There's no, there's no narrative thread and no thematic thread that pervades like the whole movie. It's bits and pieces that are kind of like loosely assembled together, but it's not it's not a whole piece that says anything. It's I just really weird. I thought it was like funny at times, surprisingly, because the yeah. little sheep baby is weird as fuck. And no one like acknowledges that. So I I don't know, it was almost a satire for a second. And it just gets really weird and yeah. It's it's also very slow. It's slow like Tar was but Tar is so much better 
and is like like this stuff is happening despite it being slow and lamb is just slow for slow's sake to create atmosphere so different takes on that um but yeah i've got a a better more coherent review on letterboxd if you want to check that out um i also watched all quiet on the western front the 1930 version not to be confused with the 1976 or 2022 versions this is so many remakes and reboots um this was in anticipation of watching the new one i wanted to see what was up and hot take it's okay at best i really really yeah i think i, I really like that movie at first i was like okay the directing is pretty good like there's some really good shots that i was like oh like i, I think i paused the movie at one point and i was like wow that's good i think story-wise it lost me in the second half um it just kind of like like it's it's war 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 and it's getting worse and it's very interesting and then they kind of leave the war for a second and well, more than just a second it's like the whole second half is away and i was kind of like okay when does it pick back up again you didn't, didn't... like the part you didn't like the part in like the when they're in like the french village and it's just hanging on that sh- that shot of like the shadow on the wall and we just hear and like what what about like the sound editing and the sound design of that movie i know it's great our professor wanted us to think about the sound design and i mean because it's really good there is a lot of bombing and sounds i think it's well done sure but like it's not enough for me because the story is just like lackluster. I've you I know, disagree. In high in high school, I've had to read a lot of like World War Two, World War One, uh, novels like just for class, and all of them like I I would get like visceral reactions like oh that's so you know terrible gross like just the description of things and I never felt that way from this. It feels like a very nineteen thirties Hollywood version of war, and I mean they do. It's a little more, I don't know, honest than one might expect for 1930s Hollywood. But also, like, the acting is, I don't think it's good. I don't think the acting is very good. It's very hammy. And, like, like everyone's, like, reading It's very lines. much of its era, for sure. But I don't know. Yeah. I really like yeah. it. Yeah, I feel like, and I feel like that holds it behind. Um, well, I mean, I have the general take of motherfuckers be like, oh, this is like, <laughs> everyone's always like, oh, this movie from 1922 is better than most of the slosh today. And it's like, no, no movie prior to like 1940 really holds up today. Yeah. Or even like, even later than that. Like, that's my take, but whatever. Yeah. I think it has admirable qualities, but I didn't, I didn't like it that much. I got really bored by the second half. Really? Like, I tried. Yeah, I tried. It, it's very long, and I don't think it has anything really interesting to say. It's also, this is a small thing, but it's so weird to hear people, characters who are supposed to be German speak, like, in full American accents, not even trying to be German. They're just like, oh, yeah, they're American accents, and yeah. it's it's weird. I just accept that as, like, a Hollywood thing. Like, it, it's, I, it's, I a, it's like it. the... But it's also, like, the thing where it's, like, when characters in a Hollywood movie are European, they're just British. Like, then, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I see, at least, I see all at of that. At least it's closer in proximity instead of... No, I don't, I don't think that's better. I think it's just... Hey, dude, I, think it's I mean, come the fuck off. Guardians of the Galaxy, which, like, I don't think none of... I think none of them are supposed to speak English. They all speak perfect English. Whatever. Anyways, I didn't like it very much. <laughs> I didn't like Lamb. 
but I'm so tired and I like that. So at least there's that. Also, I also started getting back into Barry because I like I kind of dipped my toes in, but didn't Alan? follow through because there was other things. What? What's Barry? Barry is the Bill one Hader that um, yeah, Bill Hader. He's like um, a hitman who decides he wants to not be a hitman and he wants to go to acting class. It's a hilarious conceit. I really like it and it's filmed very well so i'm i'm enjoying that and it's short they're like short half hour episodes which i like nice and yeah i have a hot berry take so have you seen berry aiden by any chance no i've seen clips of it on twitter i've seen the clip of like a highway chase that looks cool on it i'm excited to get to that that's not for i'm just starting season two i think so here's my hot berry take and this might get me canceled okay you ready yeah no ho no ho hank who's like the bald guy with no eyebrows and he's part of like the gang like the eastern european gang he's people say like oh i love noho hank i don't i don't i don't like noho hank i don't think he's very funny the whole shtick is that he's a silly guy with an eastern european accent and he goes like Hey Barry, do you want a sub like a sandwich? Like the sandwich? Do you want the sub? And he just talks like this, and he thinks he's so funny with the accent. I'm like, that's not funny. You're just doing an accent, and you're a little silly. You're a little goofy. But so far, I don't understand the appeal for Noho Hank. So sorry if that makes me canceled, but whatever. Anyway, so that's all for my. I get you for that one. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done for. Uh, what we're can we separate the podcast from the podcaster? Um, so for what we're doing next week there are a lot of options and i this is one of those weeks where i have no idea what we're going to pick a lot of it is going to come down to what we can watch in our area in our region so Um, banshees is in our region i looked it up it will be okay interesting so banshees of inishirin is on the list um that's the martin mcdonough movie that might come up top Two movies we've been wanting to see are coming to our more niche indie theater, uh, Decision to Leave and After Sun will be in theaters for us. What's Decision to Leave? I think this is my first yeah, time hearing about it. I want to say it's Korean. I'm pretty sure I showed you the trailer. Is it theater. the uh, new Bong Joon-ho movie? Or no, what? no. It's, it's, yeah, South Korean neo-noir romantic mystery. Oh, so like, yeah, that's yeah. fire. That it's sounds Park, sick. It's Park Chan-wook is the director and it's like i'm pretty sure it's like a divorce movie but it looks like a thriller it looks so good yeah i showed you the trailer ages ago peter and you're i think i've watched it yeah and i was like what are you talking about it looks great so go watch the trailer this looks sick go watch the trailer decide if it's meh or if it's sick uh and tweet at us if you think peter's wrong do that whenever you feel peter's wrong by the way um there's also from this week all Quiet on the Western Front, the Netflix version, and Armageddon Time that came out. And next oh, yeah. week on Netflix, The Wonder, Florence Pugh's The Wonder comes out. Also, Weird Al Yankovic movies coming out. And oh, yeah. Enola Holmes 2. So, <laughs> so hyped with that one, bro. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to pick. I will I say there are some of those that are definitely low on my list. Armageddon Time is low on my list. All Quiet on the Western Front is low on my list. Um, I've heard good things. I've heard very good things about that one. And also that would mean... I like, I like the original. I like the original and I don't really... Well, the, apparently it's a it. re... 
it's a it's an, a readaptation of the book. So they're not trying to remake the movie. Okay. They're trying to yeah. do a different take on the book. So and I bet people will actually speak German this time. It's, it's a supposed to be very cast. different. Yeah. So yeah. I'm and I think modern techniques will hopefully elevate it. And yes, yeah, sorry, it is it's a German movie. So it actually feels right. like authentic. Anyway, so yeah, I I mean all quiet, maybe weird Al. Dude, decision to leave after sun okay like all of them i, I, I think all of them. I, after, after sun isn't next isn't this week for us i don't know okay after sun is gonna be because so you're right it is it is this week it is this week you're right okay. i want to watch after yeah. sun after i think like, after sun i think is top of my list to be honest with you interesting yeah so we'll have to decide uh after sun's playing for a while this month i think so oh that's true so we could hold off on that how long is decision yeah, we'll, to leave we'll just have to, we'll just have to decide um more than just a little bit like they're yeah they're both until the third week of november so we have three okay. weeks to check those two out so they'll probably they might end up being priorities anyways that's enough of that um if you like this podcast and you want to hear more funny things go check us out on twitter at predator v movies i'm tweeting on there constantly and retweeting and being funny trust me um and so yeah i've heard I've heard apparently that one of our listeners likes it, but doesn't actually follow. So if you're that person, you know who you are. Just follow it. What are you doing? Um, we're also on Instagram at Predator versus Movies Podcast. We just announce when there's a new pod. So that's all that is. Check us out on, or check me out on at, oh, sorry, on Letterboxd at underscore Alex Gordon underscore to see, hear my takes on movies uh, and reviews. Anyone else have a plug they want to plug? I'll also plug my letterbox. I go by the name of Wombo on Letterbox, and my username Yo. is 810sunny810 S-O-N-N-Y. Dude, sunny, and like, also please give him a follow. He's the first confused. ever yeah. letterbox influencer. I'm not this, the first, but I'm gonna be the best. I'm plugging yeah. this one. <laughs> what are you talking about? Also, his Pick is his avatar is like a monkey or something. Yeah, yeah. It's an animal <laughs> yeah, it's a of some sort. Anyways, if you like this podcast, uh, leave a review on whatever platform you're currently listening on. I know Spotify. I for sure checked out. You don't even have to leave a review. You can give us a star rating. So go on, give us a star rating. Tell Spotify how much you love our podcast, and then other people will listen to the podcast. And that's that's what we all want. Anyways, until next time, I'm Alex. I'm Peter. I'm Aiden. And this was Predator V Movies. See you next week.